Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Owatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who thought to himself, what if we made help but more confusing? <laughs> I am the Adam Glass, and help is always confusing, and head is more confusing. Somehow. And, yeah, that's all right. There's nothing wrong with being confusing. It's just, I didn't think a movie c- could be weirder, but it is. At least it's entertainingly confusing. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, we have a we have a friend joining us uh, who, from his time, <laughs> from from his timeline, Wait, what? has was on the podcast very recently. Uh, but from our actual uh, our actual publishing timeline, five was years here more ago. than a month ago. Uh, <laughs> no, not quite five years. Um, Jonathan Ave is back after uh, joining us recently to talk about the Darjeeling Limited, uh, which we recorded last week. Uh, he said, "Hey, I'd love to uh, be always love to be on." And I said, "Hey, how about next week uh, too?" Because um, we're recording the episode uh, that we're recording right now about Head, the Monkeys movie. And I know Jonathan's a Monkeys fan. I am. I'm most certainly a Monkeys fan. Yeah. Well, before we get into the movie this week, I do want to talk about our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Over there for a dollar a month, you can help keep us going and get access to some bonus content. Every month, we do a non-criterion film over there uh, of varying quality. I put together a list. Always amazing quality. By varying, you mean amazing or more amazing. Yes, yes. Well, sometimes it's movies that should be in the Criterion Collection. Sometimes it's movies that were later added to the Criterion Collection. Like Critters uh, sometimes 2. Sometimes it's movies, yeah, like Critters 2. Which is now part uh, of the Criterion which Collection. Which is getting getting its new Criterion. No, that's not true. But okay. Jonathan's looking at me. I, like, Ultra true? HD, 25 and, bonus features. And it's within, it's within the possibility. That's what I was going to say. Is, yeah. Too. Uh, we watched Head this week. Like, what What couldn't be in the Criterion Collection at this point? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the fact that that wasn't a bonus episode, which, yeah. by the way, again, thank you for having me on. Um, <laughs> but the fact it wasn't a bonus episode, it took maybe the whole week for it to sink in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, no, this is actually part of a larger cultural, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. significant thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we have a lot of fun over there. I put together a list, and our supporters get to vote on what movie we're going to watch. Also, sometimes the supporters suggest lists, which is always fun. And if they do, uh, and we end up watching the movie that they want to watch, uh, we often try to get them to record with us. It's fun to talk, talk to people about movies they really love. Uh, which I mean is one reason Jonathan's frequently on our Wes Anderson <laughs> list. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a, a logical connection there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's all the one dollar mark, uh, and we're greatly appreciative of our one dollar supporters. Uh, they really help out. Uh, but there's a few tiers above that. At five dollars for folks who can afford it and uh, can help us keep going a little bit more, we'd like to thank those folks on air. So thank you so much to our current $5 supporters, Stephen Goldmeyer, Eric Coronado, Andrew Jarrett, and Chris Otto. Thank you. A bit above that, we do something pretty dang special. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we've watched recently. I get that printed up on a postcard once a month and mail it off with a little personalized thank you note. Oh, man, this month is so good. This month is pretty good. Uh, 
I don't have printed out copies yet, though, so I can't ah, have Jonathan I'll thumb through them while we talk about them. I'll ah. just uh, visualize yeah. it. Yeah. Just visualize it. Imagine like something talking. amazing, ah. Jonathan. Oh, it's there. It's right there. <laughs> it's mostly just a self-portrait of yeah. Pat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but Van Gogh style. It's amazing. We also like to thank those $10 supporters on air, and thank you so much to Adam Speakerman, Nina Bajnak, Patrick Yako, Tracy McGrath, and Jason Westhaver. If you want to see those postcards without committing to that $10 mark and can't thumb through the stack of past postcards that is usually sitting beside our guest chair uh, in my podcast recording bedroom. Studio. Uh, it's a bedroom slash studio. Yeah. So, yeah, essentially. You can head over to redbubble.com, search for Lost and Criterion there, and you can see those past postcards. Purchase them as postcards, as greeting cards, if you need a little more space to write in. Uh or as stickers, if you don't want to write anything on the back, because you just take that piece of paper off before you stick it onto things. And if you stick it onto something, it's really hard to write on the back of I it. I mean, I guess you could. Uh, I mean, you could. It's, like, possible. You could. It would just be pointless. Uh, and <laughs> I have a tag a in my car, because we have to that. register our car. We have to get it checked. Yeah. And it has writing on the sticky side, because it has to have writing on both sides. And so when I stick it on the window... I'm sticking a sticky part that also has writing on it. It has a uh, printing on it. It's pretty Pat neat. Pat has found a use case for writing on the back of, the, of a yeah, sticker. Yeah, maybe you so, need to register your oh. car with the Japanese government. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and use one of our <laughs> Use one of our cars. Use one, one of, of our, our postcard stickers. arts. You will not pass inspection. You will get arrested. <laughs> you, your car will be impounded. <laughs> it will it's happen true. for but sure. But it will show that you have good taste. Yes. Right, yes. Well, this is very nice, I, but I'm going to have to take you in now. <laughs> Some of them also exist as buttons, if that you're into that, too. Uh, buttons have nothing to do with writing, though. You can't write on a button. I disagree. Unless you use a marker. I actually received a button from a friend where they wrote a whole note on the inside, on the oh. back, on the inside of it. Look so at look at Pat and I completely going <laughs> yeah, against we're just all the facts. Undermining, undermining all of my marketing today. But thank you so much to everybody who's purchased anything off the Red Bubble. Everybody who's supporting us on Patreon. And thank you for listening. Thank you, everyone. So, friends, this week we are kicking off a box set, and one of our longer box sets, uh, period, actually, in the Criterion Collection. Not a lot of box sets. Most box sets are two or three movies, and this one's seven. Uh, but is America Lost and Found, the BBS story. So uh, it is seven films from BBS Productions, well, technically, it's only, I think, four films from BBS Productions because BBS didn't technically exist until halfway through the process of making these films. Uh, right, but, I mean, technically added... from, like, a, a corporate entity perspective, right? Like, I right, mean, they, right, right. It's the same yeah. people involved in every single one of them, It right? is, it is. So, yeah, uh, Bob Raffleson and Burt Schneider were two guys who created the monkeys, uh, and that made them a lot of money. Uh, and then they decided to make real movies because they'd always wanted to make real movies. And they, the monkeys was the two of them working together under Raybert productions. And our movie this week, head is a Raybert production. Easy rider. Next week's movie is a Raybert production. And I think five easy pieces is the last one under the Raybert name. And then they added Steve Blonner to the mix and that gave us BBS, Bob, Burt, and Steve. Uh, <clears throat> and basically, <laughs> I don't know how they how they manage it, and we'll talk more about it next week. But the history of BBS is that uh, they made a lot of money from the monkeys, yes. Head 
bombed terribly. And uh, potentially uh, intentionally. Yes. Um, yeah. it, it, because the monkeys had run their course and right, there was no right. way to go yeah. other than blow yeah. it up. Right? I mean, yeah. I I mean I'm sure the they movie. would have liked it to is... make some money off of it. More than $16,000 that they made. I, I, from what, from the things I've read, I think they, even in the writing process, knew that that was not <laughs> right, right, something. Right. Well, I mean, do they did in, purposely in, sabotage why they, it. Like this is true. I mean, like, like they it put turned it in into a, a dope Spanish film, you know? theater, right? Uh, yeah. Without telling anybody, <laughs> right, right. Uh, but <laughs> right, also like premiere. when they in the interview, the, it does seem like they sort of regretted that after. Like, well, maybe we bombed yeah. it too hard. <laughs> maybe, maybe. In any case, uh, they signed a contract with Columbia Pictures uh, for Easy Rider. I don't think. They had Columbia also put out head. Columbia was behind Columbia and Steam Gems, uh, Screen Gems mm-hmm. did the Monkey she- right. series. Yes, uh, but Easy Rider, and we'll dig more into this next week when we watch Easy Rider. But uh, Easy Rider, the people who made Easy Rider, tried to sell it to Roger Corman. Corman passed, and then they came to BBS, and that got them this. And Easy Rider was such. A big thing uh, that they ended up making six more pictures after that. Uh, and Corman was who uh, Jack Nicholson worked with initially yes, yes. on some of those quote yeah. unquote dope, dope films. Yes, you know? yeah. yes, indeed. Um, so the rest of the series will be Easy Rider, Five Easy Pieces, Drive, he said, A Safe Place, The Last Picture Show, and The King of Marvin Garden. So as far as cultural touchstones that continue to be cultural touchstones today, uh, a mixed bag. Some of them, some of them, much more recognizable from the title than others. Uh, they did do one final film. It was not released by Columbia. Uh, it was released by Warner Brothers, and we watched it. Pat, we did. Uh, the final BBS film is Hearts and Minds, the documentary. Oh, on, interesting. Uh, I do the love Vietnam Hearts War. and Minds. It's a very, it's a very good fantastic movie. documentary, uh, and very much in line with the. Uh, ideologies that we'll see <laughs> popping up in in the rest of these movies. Um, but for a company that is making iconoclastic films within the studio system, uh, we kick it off with definitely the most iconoclastic even from that list. Uh, just uh, maybe esoteric is the better term. Yeah, yeah, for sure. This week's first movie. Uh, Head. The 1968. Uh, what did the advertising describe it as? Uh, oh, it um, was. Uh, oh, the whole list is great. If I can pull it up real quick, uh, Head is the most extraordinary adventure western comedy yes, love yes. story, mystery drama, musical documentary satire ever filmed. And right from <laughs> that, you kind of get the. It, it's definitely a vibe that it seems like everybody involved and bought into entirely yeah. to make it exactly that. Right. This scrapbook of something familiar. It's it's almost like <clears throat> it's almost like stuff that the the monkeys wouldn't do, cut into the shapes of things that the monkeys would do. And yeah, from that description, <laughs> right. it, it's already it sounds like it could be a, a typical monkeys right. episode yeah. or monkeys movie. Um, which spoilers about my feelings about it. I was very surprised and delighted to see that it actually still felt like the monkeys TV show. It does. Um, in a lot of ways. And some people say, because 
what else are they supposed to do? They're untalented and can't do anything Not else, you know, all that. Well, but I mean, that's the critique, but um, I love that description because it fits that total yeah. tongue in cheek nature, UHF sort right, of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Bob Raffleson uh, of uh, one of the bees of BBS. We don't know which one. Uh, is the director here. Uh, I don't actually. I don't know if it's the first one or the second one. Can we pick um, it right now? Can we just decide? I'm going with second. Yeah, the, uh, the second, second one. I think All that's right. right. Uh, and also, it's probably Rafelson because that's probably where the Raybert comes from for mm-hmm. the other production company. Uh, but Bob Rafelson, uh, he directs here and sort of thought this might be his only opportunity to ever direct a movie. Right. So one reason, one reason that it has all of that stuff in it is that he wanted, it in. wanted every genre he would ever dream of wanting to film right. uh, packed yeah. into <laughs> packed into okay. one movie. I know, I know um, it's too early to start what, in this, but it, my, but I got to talk about the okay. fact that like you, cause you're talking about every genre he ever wanted to film, which included like a bunch of hyper fast cutting, which then was yeah. like when the parent makes a kid smoke a bunch of cigarettes, like put them off of smoking forever. <laughs> He's like, after that, I slowed down every cut from then on, and they got slower and slower yes, and slower, yes. longer and longer the, takes. Uh, I never wanted to cut ever again. He's specifically talking about the the daddy's song, yeah, uh, sequence where they're cutting back and forth uh-huh. between the two different costumes, which I amazing oh. sequence. He says if, he wow. loved it. If you yes. don't have a seizure disorder, right. amazing yeah. sequence. Well, yeah. this entire movie is uh, that way, right? Like, I mean, I <laughs> yes. got a little bit worried. My kids were watching a little bit of it, and they're like. At, towards the end because they came home right when I was finishing and like Dylan was like this is giving me a headache and making my eyes hurt and I was like why, why don't you just go look away and not be in the room anymore okay but. you look away and also we should go make a doctor's appointment yeah. I also <laughs> feel like uh, he must have also uh, been one of the writers of some of these reviews which were, <laughs> right. were that I, I, mean, like I was, was mainly worried since, since seizures was... do run in the family I was a bit worried like oh no yeah. we may have discovered uh yeah, something well, here. Y- yeah, there's sensory stuff. I mean, everybody has some level of sensory stuff, and the point of these kind of films is to is to get as much sensory overload as possible. Right. Which, the, again, the Monkeys TV show did in certain ways help. Does in certain, you know, yeah. their own way. Yeah, this yeah. is a more explosive version, and yeah, the sorry, the uh, Daddy song. We if we go track by track on this thing, <laughs> Daddy song is. Hands down, this what makes this movie successful. Yeah. Uh, that idea in the center of the film, but uh, yeah, sorry, yeah, continue. Um, because I want to build to that because that is, <laughs> I think it's, yeah, we, I think that's a delight. A lot of it's questionable, a lot yeah. of it is, you know, as you guys have said many times before, there's a lot to unpack here, actually. Yeah. But that is the moment that I'm like. I'm just smiling. This is yeah. great. It's self-aware. It's playing to their talents. Right. It's adventurous. You know, all those things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, <laughs> I've just lost my train of thought. I'm I so sorry. Yeah, no, yeah, that's yeah. not, it's not your oh, fault. You were talking about, um, uh, the Pat said about smoking the whole pack oh, because yeah, yeah. of, um, right. His, the genre, switches. his style yeah. changing because yeah. from that. So, uh, uh, Rafelson. Yeah. As Pat said, basically said, I never did this again as far as the editing goes, which is very funny. Um, we will see, I think, through the rest of the series for the box set, he directs one or two of them. Uh, so we'll get to see what he does when he's not 
trying to throw every idea against the wall just to make sure he gets them out. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, he he does not direct most of them, you said? He does not direct most of them. So is he a writer, producer? He's or? just a, it's the production company. Okay, that he okay. Um, yeah, they kind so, of describe it uh, as like, they kind of, after a while, just want like directors to show up with like ready to go things. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, uh, well, okay. easy, easy Rider comes to them with Dennis Hopper already attached, and that's why uh, they called it Easy Rider because yeah, yeah. it fully formed, it rode itself because they're trying to sell it to somebody else. Um, yeah, the rest of the uh, set, the rest of the BBS series, um, is <laughs> I don't know one very different to Head, just because it sort of has to be very different to Head. Yeah, uh, everything has, but to also inter. Perhaps interesting that Head is the only one rated G out of out of all of these. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, with I the mean, with the like the murder and everything. Yeah, yeah Head Head it was originally rated G. Uh, the ads the ads hammer at home that it's G rated, which is weird because you would think that if the monkeys were actively trying to do what they're obviously actively trying to do within the movie. Uh, They'd shoot for something harder. Uh, well, well I th- after oh. that's questioned within the movie, right? Right? It, right? It, verbally by Peter Tork. Oh yeah. Well, right. Who says, I, "Wait, man, like that's not me. This is for the kids. What about the image?" You know. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. They, they, the movie's about that interplay, right? And so, like, going right. too hard would ruin the idea that it's about that interplay, right? You would, you, it would be suddenly break the the sort of gist of the movie and you would be like, oh no, they just did the thing. They're not talking about doing the thing. They just did the thing, which would yeah, ruin right. the point, right? And many uh, theaters did put on the posters, hey, this is not for kids. Hey, <laughs> right. this is for adults. There yeah. are, you know, these sort of scenes of, you know, yeah. somebody getting part of their head blown off or whatever. You know, I, <clears throat> I actually missed that part. Yeah. It was so part of the noise of all the... Um, you know, serious kind of, oh, yeah. and, and I have criticism of that, but um, just that kind of channel flipping that they do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is the execution of, of Win Von Lem, uh, that they don't, they don't just, you know, the still image is famous, mm-hmm. but they play the video. Yeah. And the they video. show the entire uh, thing, like the, the complete yeah, video. This is, this is, I think there's an Oshima movie where he does the same thing, mm-hmm. uh, but other than that, this is, this is certainly the only American-produced thing that shows that in its entirety. <laughs> which, now, which is that oh, important, or is that? I, I don't. Oh, I don't trust Jack Nicholson. Yeah, um, many times, <laughs> and I think he does good work. Yeah, there are things he does that I like, and but but at the end of the day, I. I distrust who is presenting that to me if that is for them to be uh, manipulating us to think it's a headier movie than it is or if it's actually somebody being like nope this is important because it's at the core of what we're trying to say and what's going on in reality as opposed to the manufactured TV show Yeah. so so it's actually interesting because that aspect of this movie reminded me a lot of uh, the stuff Jean-Luc Goddard um, uh, Godard would be making after this yeah because Godard okay. really, really only gets into that political spectrum starting in '68. Yeah, what was the one um, we watched recently uh, that, that really gets into the idea of like what a camera sees? Uh, it's the the sort of like focused on military propaganda and stuff. I can't remember the name anymore. There's a postcard for it. Um, it got it, us banned by the United States. We watched it. Office. 
<laughs> we watched it as a bonus feature, oh, okay. and it was, uh, um, oh goodness, it was a co-production of Corin. Uh, and it is called Here and Elsewhere. Yeah, there is. Yeah, 1976. Yeah. That played with a lot of very similar ideas about the way war is presented on television and how that entertainment collapses because the, uh, and I'm being vo- more overt than Here and Elsewhere was being, but Head is certainly saying uh, that uh, watching watching TV primes you for entertainment in a way where everything becomes entertainment. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, where here and elsewhere it gets, gets more ideological about image and, and truth, um, that you could read into here. Yeah. That's uh, I mean, Uh, I I do feel like there's a sort of, there, there's definitely a through line there where like this, this reminded me deeply of watching that, like that there, that's not a comedy, but it plays with the same ideas a lot. And like, you see a lot of. Not just like with like the the you know the ideas of the film, but also with the way it plays constantly with perspective in the camera and like like messing with the audience's ability to understand what the camera's showing them, and then like that that sort of like this movie constantly does that thing where like they you know some where the transitions are hidden, where we shift from scene right. to scene, and like and I I remember here and elsewhere doing things like that from time to time where they would mess with like yeah. what you're seeing and you think right. you're seeing one thing but you're actually seeing another thing. And this movie breaks that down even more by frequently uh breaking the fourth wall. We we see <laughs> the production staff uh they enter into the frame. Um they they do things like uh, that really some of the only stuff I had ever seen do this would be like fully coolly which I know yeah. you two know yes. so I can right. just reference it here. <laughs> um uh in the scene where something happens and then it shows them behind the scenes on the bus talking about them shooting the scene in the cartoon right. in Fully Cooly. And then they're like, wait a second, that was really <laughs> slow motion? Or I thought that was slow motion. You guys really acted that slow? And then there's an X that goes over it and it goes back to the scene. Right. How many times in this movie do they go back to a point and it is slightly different than it yeah. was when they were there before, but nothing has progressed. Like right. it goes down all these different alternate routes. Yeah. But there might be one plot through yeah. with a bunch of loops around it. Um, well, I think that's a u- very unique yeah. thing to see in, in the a movie. Uh, the modified uh, "Hey Hey Where the Monkeys" mm-hmm. <laughs> intro song says. Oh, yeah. By the time it comes to the end, you'll be back at the beginning. Yeah, and you might actually understand. Um, yeah, uh, Dolan's has described this movie. I think at the time, I'm not sure when he exactly when he said this, but he described it as heads a poppin' meets Peter Max. Peter Max, the pop art uh, uh, artist, right? Uh, very colorful. And heads a poppin' is a 1940s movie that we watched for a bonus episode as well. Oh, cool. That is absolutely one of the most fourth wall breaking in a yes. in a studio and that movie is counting, so weird even counting this wow. yeah uh, I, yeah you should watch it because it is it is a more a fucked up than this movie in terms of like yeah. messing with your idea of what perspective and like what a thing show right. like are what you as being shown is yes. what you're being shown real or not right Heads a heads a pop and certainly not doing it philosophically, just doing it to have fun. I okay. But, I, I think uh, there's a heads uh, a pop okay. and there's a tinge there's, of it. It's talking about the idea of like the fact that like you're never seeing reality. Like we have an idea of what is real and yeah. not real in film, 
but it's all not real, and it sort of is engaged right, with that right, idea right. in a very fun and way. And they are talking about way, that, yeah. and that that manufacturedness of it is is certainly something that does exist in Hensel Poppin. Uh, my favorite sequence in Hensel Poppin, Jonathan, is uh, uh, Shemp Howard plays a projectionist who is, in the first like five minutes of the movie, who is distracted by his girlfriend in the projection booth with him. Uh, so the frame starts messing and it gets like the half uh but the three actors in the in the film are yelling at him right like to fix uh, it i assume fix it but when it when it splits like that you've got their legs in the top of the frame and they're right and they're pushing at it to try and fix it which is which is straight from looney tunes you know or or the other way around you know like um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it almost sometimes it'll droop on them, right, and they'll right, have right. to move it. Yeah. You know, it's just uh, you know duck a muck kind right. of you know stuff. So yeah. J- he, yeah, are you saying? I was just gonna go ahead. Sorry. No, I think no. Are you pronouncing it right? <laughs> heads a poppin. Yeah, hell's a poppin. Hell's a poppin. Hell's a poppin. Heads a poppin is a shitty horror film that came out in like the nineteen nineties. So heads heads a poppin is also the name of the essay that Criterion associates with this because of the hell's a poppin connection. Okay, hell's a poppin is the name of the movie. I apologize. I I recommend Uh, looking it up and watching it. You will not be disappointed at all. It's very silly and very fun. Uh, but yeah. So um, maybe interesting from the hell's a poppin thing that. The only real frame manipulation we get in this movie, uh, besides the the uh, polarization, is the final f- the final frame of the end credits. It burns, uh, <laughs> which which is also something that accidentally, sort of accidentally happened on uh, uh, Last Temptation of Christ. Okay, it's sort of the film burns out in the final moments. Yeah, um, but. Uh, Probably, I mean, just an error that they left because yeah, it yeah. worked. Whereas it this worked. is intentional, right, right. obviously, here, with what they're trying here it to is say. Intentional. The film, the film burns, and then we still get the laugh of the woman who had the uh, the kissing contest with them. It's the very final thing we hear. Which, uh, yeah, uh, they're women in this movie. I I have a hard time with because it's over. It's done it right at the beginning. Yeah. It's just a long scene of them kissing. Obviously, for a hilarious, a funny joke, yeah. a very typical of the monkeys joke. But where it starts off, how central it is, the fact that this is for potentially for kids. Yeah, what are they saying? And then you get into the this, even the song I skip on the soundtrack, the the belly dance like yeah. song. I'm just like, yeah. this is this is needless. It, it doesn't supply anything, <laughs> right. you know. Right. Um, yeah, it so, does. Yeah. It drags and on a obvi- long. It is very long scene in this movie. That, it, it, <laughs> it is, is surprisingly long. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, and I don't even, you know, in the beat, even in the Beatles stuff, I tend to skip the overly sitari things. Yeah, um, yeah, I totally understand. You know, that. Any, yeah, anytime it's just straight going for it, I love it when people so add those things together. Yeah. yeah. Um, but just being like, oh, this is our this song, you know, like, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. which I mean is not indicative of the soundtrack uh, of the album. I think that some of the best monkeys songs are on here yeah only a few that i knew before watching this movie because i i own this on vinyl but it's such a beat copy and it was a students of mine and they left and they were like you can just keep my vinyl and i don't know if i've ever played it um obviously it's riddled with like uh baloney perhaps not and <laughs> yes, like think, yes. you know all that sort kind of, of stuff right. but um in the sound effects but um it does have porpoise song which is yeah. fantastic um 
and I love Mike Nesmith's song like live, but neither here nor there. The the Nesmith song is like this is our country song. <laughs> but that's Mike Nesmith. But that is just Nesmith. That's that's yeah. his way of writing. Right. And so that wasn't a surprise to me because if you've heard Mike Nesmith's first solo record, um uh it is straight country. Yeah. Uh has Joanna on it and um uh Calico Girlfriend and you know, he he gets a very famous uh a pedal steel guitar player to play on it you know so so to me that's like just mike's style yeah. when he wants to be him right, right more than anything it's either each of them being their own personality yeah but what, whose personality was the yeah was the in, belly dance you interesting know? i mean the horny the, ones uh, i guess whoever the horny yeah. one is the yeah. monkeys i don't know because i never watched the monkeys but uh right the interesting I think that would also be mike nesmith yeah. technically <laughs> also, there you go um all crossover it. um <laughs> They're all young. Uh, the uh, the the monkeys on highlight TV uh, bonus. That's only like a five minute interview, and mostly I think is included uh, just to show that the the radio station infrastructure was hostile to them as artists as well. Like this interviewer, yeah. this interviewer apps. He gets the name of the movie wrong. Like like he's a, so. Thanks monkeys for coming out to to promote hair. And uh, <laughs> or whatever, uh, he just but, assumed uh, they were doing a rendition of Hair. Yeah, right. Yeah. But in it, they talk about a plan for a double disc set in which each of them individually writes one side of the record. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if this is a thing that actually ended up existing. You know what? They're they're a band I've kind of left a little mysterious, even yeah. though I collect their stuff and listen yeah. because like I couldn't even tell you what their first album where they played all their <laughs> yeah. all their own instruments was. I'm pretty sure it's Pisces. Um yeah. it it could be the birds and the bees, the monkeys. Um uh and you actually hear on the country song, it's obviously them because it's very rudimentary. Yeah. It's very sloppy and it still works somehow. It's them trying right. to be a band. You yeah. Know? Uh but in that interview as they're talking about very briefly, everyone styles. We get a little bogged down in Davy saying he's getting really into electronic music and just bought a Moog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's no, it's great. great. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm actually really interested to hear what sort of electronic music Davy Jones was was well, producing. And Davy seems the most absent from this movie, which I think is why Daddy's song has such a payoff. Yeah. Um, because he's kind of like the face for the kids. You know, he's yeah. the one that was in the Brady Bunch and all that. And at first, I thought maybe he was completely dissociating himself. Like, I didn't know if he'd have dialogue. Um, and But then, because there's already been so much um, uh, Mickey Dolan's throughout the movie, including on other people's songs, during Mickey Dolan's best song on the, on the soundtrack, they just show Davey... David Jones just walking around in a field like half the time, yeah. and I'm like, what? Um, but but because of Daddy's song, it shows that he has a lot of buy-in as well to the film. Right, right. I I just didn't know what was going on with him at the time culturally because yeah, it, you know he's as involved in, in the monkeys as everybody else, but he almost seems to have a little more at stake um, from a PR standpoint. Whereas Mike Nesmith might want, he seems the most against that whole thing. He wants to be taken seriously as an artist. How much is he pushing this? You know, I, I'm curious how, who of them had the most uh, love of this, <clears throat> this concept, and I partially assume that it is Mickey Dolan's, because he seems like the star of this movie to me. He has the most scenes on his own. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting the way this movie came together. 
all of the monkeys, Bob and uh, uh, Jack, and, and Jack Nicholson, Jack Nicholson. Got, got stoned got and stand, yeah, yeah, and just said things into a tape recorder. Totally, totally. Uh, so day one of production of the movie, they also got a new manager. Uh, and and Bob in his interview describes him as a guy who wanted to be the monkey's manager, with um, all that that entails, basically, <laughs> with all that that entails, and and Bob is at odds with this guy because he wants to make his movie and day one of production and that's pushing back production. Uh, he does not exactly get in into details of what the guy was ar- across the street arguing with executives about. He does describe going over there and throwing the guy down a flight of stairs. Wow! But. Uh, doing a bunch of cocaine first, right? Uh, you know, but, which, uh, as you do. But uh, one of the things that happened uh, day one was that the monkeys found out that they weren't going to get writing credits. Oh, and they don't have writing. They credits. do not. Right. Um. They, I, and that's why I was surprised yeah. to see that they actually had so much to do with yeah. the yeah the so, initial process. Dolan's Jones and Nesmith had held a walkout. On day one of filming, uh, that uh, Torque did not did not participate in that walkout. Torque uh, doesn't care, <laughs> right? Right. He yeah. he is he is he makes a statement here many times that he yeah. is um, uh, not not only is he a pacifist and he just and his personality as such, and you even see him later in life, you know, as a person be this way, but. That's right. You're the you're the dumb one, Pete. Yeah. You're the dumb one. He's he's good with being that and yeah. I don't but I don't see him standing up for like oh well, who cares right. if I get writing credit? This right, is supposed right. to be the end or yeah. whatever, you right. know, like And then they 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 fixed it by just giving them a higher percentage of Well, uh, the interesting thing about him not film, which right. is also no money. Right. It's a, end, a right? movie that yeah. made $16,000. Yeah. Um well, the interesting thing—I got to push back against that, Pat. That is just at I know it's just the box opening office. New York theaters. It did make more money. I know. But, it, it, I, but it was ahead, a joke please. because on Wikipedia they yes. claim the box office is sixteen thousand dollars. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I understand, right. but like nonetheless, they didn't make a ton of money off of this movie. Okay. No, it no, did, no, in fact, did bomb. No. Uh, no <laughs> yeah. Like, well, no. The, but it like the thing about the bad. the Pete thing being like it, it's sort of like. Um, in the end, it kind of it, it, I find it fascinating because each one of them seems to have a different approach to the, like their future career post monkeys, and mm-hmm, yet mm-hmm. because they were all in the monkeys, they all have a future career anyway. Like, so the writing credit doesn't something like the writing credit. Like, I get why they why the, some of them would really want it because like that's part of those future career plans, and then also why you might not care because also like you're kind of guaranteed a, a career at this point, right? Like you're too I, much of a cultural I touchstone actually, to lose your career completely. I think, I don't think at that time they saw it that way. They were, it, this was very, very quickly. All this happened very quickly in the sixties. And I think that they just thought that it was a wash. They were pariah. Yeah. They were untouchable. Mike Nesmith fought for any kind of seriousness. And guess what? Nobody still knows that he put out a luscious solo career right, of tons right. and tons and yeah. tons of records and wrote famous songs because he was in the monkeys and people sneer at that. Right. They still sneer at it. Davy Jones is the only one that I think could have had a career. And that's why I thought he distanced himself as much as he could from this. Yeah. Whereas I do understand them being like, no, we want writing credit because 
what if this is this art film that has some kind of they're looking for credibility right 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 you know and the, any and kind of and, and i understand Whether, where that comes from i i'm not saying that they don't i understand why that's what i'm saying is i understand how you could like kind of take it for for them some of them might take it from different angles right because like yeah totally different angles. it really yeah. depends yeah. on whether or not you think you need credibility or not right whether or not you think and, it is important for you to be right. understood and, as a as a me a serious quote-unquote serious artist or not right right and it could be peter tork doesn't care uh davy jones manager just told him that he should get the points or whatever yeah. uh mickey dolan's and mike nesmith are both proud of it you know right. who knows yeah. like right yeah. yeah where each of them are coming and from. we're dealing we're dealing with a group of people who in the popular consciousness lack all credibility you know lack they, all credibility they don't, they don't even play their own they instruments don't even play they don't their own instruments they don't even write their own movie right uh, right, right. Yeah, yeah they're just pawns in everybody else's hands absolutely right. <laughs> not that the beatles wrote their own movie no but not, well not, uh, it's complicated, right? But it's based on the, just like this. They're it's based on their and they right, and they had the they had the the, yeah. the 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 sort of power to like do things like get writing credits right, and stuff. Right. Like there's a difference in how much power they have relative to like the sort of industry that they're they're yeah working inside of. Right? Like and, they, these guys don't have very much power to manipulate the industry around them. They're just none sort of themselves at the, at the no. of it. So. No, I, I, I totally get and where both songs, sides are coming from is my point. Like, it's sort of yeah. like, it really just sort of depends on, like, what your internal motivations are as a person, right? Like, uh, and, so. and I would probably say that more copies of Hard Day's Night sold than people that saw the movie, whereas Head, oh, no, yeah. <laughs> right. you know, it's 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 a, yeah, there's a reason why it's a mirror on I the mean, front. I feel like it's yeah, just. Yeah. yeah, I didn't even know it existed, frankly. So, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't grow. It's interesting because I every time you and I have ever talked about the monkeys, it's been interesting because like I grew up knowing nothing about the monkeys. Like I think I've seen one part of one episode of the monkeys. Oh, TV show. Okay, part okay. of one. Yeah, my parents like you, you've met my dad. He was not interested in the monkeys. Mm-hmm. He like we. I know the songs that are famous because everybody knows the songs that are famous. Uh, right. Those are the only ones I know, uh, and so it's it's really interesting. Like I had, I was assuming you had like seen this movie that this like because like, oh, I know a person who likes the monkeys, whereas like I right. didn't even know this thing existed. Yeah, and you know, I w- I wanted to ask you and Adam how how much the monkeys played into your childhood because I kind of assumed Pat growing up in such a um, dogmatic. Beatles yes. <laughs> household, very, very strict Beatles household, um, that this was probably seen as heresy and, you uh, know, like the, uh, the an, an evil facsimile of something that is, you know, sacred. Right. Whereas Adam, I assumed it could have gone either way because you either didn't have Nickelodeon or Nick at Night at that yeah, time yeah. Or, or watching something else. Um, or it could have been huge. Because to me, I like relate the monkeys a lot to like uh, the Banana Splits yeah. or like, you know, Saturday morning cartoons because it was on, I think not just Nick at Night. I think it also was on Nickelodeon when it came, like it came on both. Wonder it might have been. Too, I, I never both. saw it like even on Nick at Night. We used to watch Nick at Night all the time, but I, I don't know. It must The yeah. timing must have not lined up or my parents just actively turned it off when it was coming on. Actively kept it from Well, you. see, the thing right. about in, it is, is in, my mom likes 
the songs that are famous because my mom unlike my right. dad yeah. like she just likes that era of music like she had like all kinds of compilation albums of like you know 60s rock that you know that that sort of right. 60s pop rock that was and i know the words to most of those songs because you know like what played on the radio when she was uh like a young woman right when she was like in her early teens right she loved that stuff mm-hmm. and so we would listen to that stuff around the house all the time but i know i think literally i think i've seen the intro to the monkeys tv show and that might be it gotcha okay yeah yeah and so just so you know kind of the rapid cutting and genre switching and some of that does it you know is very much in the tv show um so again the movie kind of feels edited almost like the tv show yeah it's all trying to be a facsimile of the beatles style and hard days right, night sort right. of cuts so you know there's cutaways to goofiness and, which i've seen eight thousand sort of times as you might expect right exactly I, I know right, right. i know so, hard days night by heart like i can just tell you every right. scene so by you, scene you get what's already been shoved yeah. through parody and facsimile right. and, and or, see this on the other side which is you know totally in the other direction but you know, still trying to catch up with the Beatles, right? Uh, in in credibility and everything. But the monkeys. Um, uh, my mom really loved David Jones. My dad loving the Sex Pistols and things like that. You know, of course, I knew Stepping Stone. You know, like they there were songs that, you know, because of uh, power pop. You know, and power pop was influenced by bubblegum pop and the monkeys fit into that bubblegum pop the archies and that sort of thing but yet they had some edge so they had some better songs step in stone last train to clarksville right Uh, it wasn't all just daydream but yeah the ones i know right like the basic the ones i know are those right right right. and the but these other ones are just you know such classics because they were again covered by all these power pop bands and then therefore taken on by the the glam and punk scene and then you know even rem covered those songs so like i knew a lot of the monkey stuff from it being both having somehow punk credibility and being uh uh, this goofy you know saturday morning cartoon so i like i always liked the marriage of those two things plus there was this commercial i think when i was a kid that was like the band that had more sold more records than the beatles oh right <laughs> yeah was that was monkeys. in a commercial wasn't it or something yeah, yeah i remember that i still don't know if that's true yeah, <laughs> yeah. no idea i so I, but I vaguely remember that too yeah so my my exposure to the monkeys pretty limited uh reruns on tv when we had cable i'm sure uh and my mom, I think, was probably a little too young. Uh, she was born in 58, so would have been 10. Um, my mom describes her favorite band as the Eagles, uh, which yeah, coming around early 70s, yeah. her early teens, I guess that makes sense. I don't understand anyone's favorite band being the Eagles, but sure. Yeah. Uh, of course, right. I have, a, I have an, uh, an Eagles greatest hit album. I think everybody, yeah. it's, it's a reasonable thing to own. Like I do understand them being somebody's least favorite. Yeah, band. that's yeah. A definitely yeah. understandable. Yeah, that's a very understandable. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and then, uh, you know, besides oldies stations, and that's mostly my parents' relationship to music is what was on the, in the car, and it was always a Christian radio station or an oldies station. Um, there was a, there was a, Christian rock band that covered Pleasant Valley Sunday, and that in the was nineties. Um, that was it. Was was it Code of Ethics? I think it was Code. No, of I Ethics, need to understand yes. something. Of, 
Christian Christian band doesn't give you any information about actual genre. What genre right, were style. they covering yeah. it in? Like what style? When, when were we they talk doing? about, were they doing a punk well, like a Christian punk style kind of thing, or were they doing it straight alternative, like yeah. adult alternative? Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of most Christian music at that time would have been either qual- qualified into one of two things: CCM, which meant uh, contemporary Christian music, meaning stuff that would play nowadays would be with praise and worship and stuff and and parents would listen to the other was alternative which were usually just alternative <laughs> anything it was anything a catch-all for catch-all for right anything that's, that's that what gets me all like, that's what's always been very right. confusing yep. about that yeah. particular scene so this, to me is the fact that like that it, doesn't mean that, anything to me like it's meaningless but it thing. also did help a lot of people who were into christian music get into a lot of different genres of right music right that's because you would be like oh this label i like has my favorite punk bands it has shoegaze music and a couple hip-hop groups yeah <laughs> oh and an electronica group and a whole sub label of that, like that. and then that's a hardcore amazing. label on that under that i'll check out all these bands at one festival yeah <laughs> you know, right. like, i will be very one show one church <laughs> yeah that's, that's, oh yeah that's amazing oh yeah playing in a christian hip-hop group i we played with more other genres than ourselves right 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 oh my god yeah yeah uh so the the cover as i recall uh was a pretty straightforward maybe a little rem influence on it uh yeah it was pretty straightforward though but it was a pretty straightforward version of i remember the music video pretty well yeah 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 Mm -hmm. that's yeah and seeing the yeah code of ethics wasn't a band i sought out but i just remember that pleasant valley (laughs) Sunday yeah. cover and and the video on, on first love on wow. first love yeah I like I, it's always uh, amazing whenever we dig into this stuff and how you guys experience an entirely different universe than I experience I don't <laughs> right right, like, right what are you guys talking about I try to explain <laughs> to people how I was an outcast among nerds and this is why yeah well, like, the thing about yeah. it is right is that like I was never a few half-hearted attempts were made to like. Like because they didn't like my parents didn't necessarily like all the music I was interested in to like get me to like mm-hmm. check out the the sort of like Christian alternatives, but like nobody right. tried very hard and it it yeah. the, the plane <laughs> collapsed and I only ha- I only had my version my copies of various Rammstein albums taken four times. That's I ended up buying. Yeah, that album. I four remember times. that you were into Rammstein. That's so <laughs> oh, yeah. funny. I still like um, listening to Rammstein. I'm sure that there I find was it a... extremely. It's extremely interesting music. I, I, I like it's to not what I listen to on purpose two... all the time, but I think it is extremely <laughs> engaging. Uh, I yeah. like to think that there's a time in 2001 where you'd be like, my two favorite albums are the newest Rammstein and Kill the Moonlight. Like <laughs> this is, like, this is those fair, two worlds. You need on. to understand. Like someday you're never gonna. I don't know if you're ever gonna visit me, but I'll take you on a tour of my my album collection. It is it is a terrifying <laughs> look into the psyche of a person who could never pick a genre and never and decided it wasn't important yeah. to. Uh, there you go. I like Wikipedia describes Code of Ethics, the band that did this cover, as electronic new wave and rock. Oh, excellent. Uh, okay. Okay. So I know not, as much as I did before. Tells you nothing, and also, also not not indicative of the, the way cover, they did yeah. that cover, uh, which again was a pretty pretty straightforward thing. So, okay. So speaking of covers, then we're uh, we're well, we're talking about a movie, not just yeah. the monkeys in general. <laughs> I, 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 I've kind I, of enjoyed I, this. We're like discussing the monkeys' yeah. discography, but yeah. Um. Although on on that subject, I know that. You know, the fact that they didn't play their instruments was intriguing to me as a kid and how they would have a band playing behind the scenes and like all that stuff. As a young kid, that was really interesting to me. Um, I uh, knew 
enough and prided myself in knowing enough about the monkeys because of them being on, and this will be the last thing about my, my childhood connection with them, that on Rocker's Modern Life, um, there is a pirate character and he's like just kind of talking to himself as he's like speeding off on a different boat than them. And he's like, I'll send you, uh, he's, he's talking about, you know, do this or I'll send you down to Davy Jones's locker and Peter Tork's locker and Mickey Dolan's locker. All the monkeys have lockers. And he's saying it like as he's going into the background. And I, I loved yeah, that's a, that's I love good. that joke, uh, joke so good. much. So I always associated Davy Jones there. Um, but head, headquarters do we think there's a connection <laughs> do we think that they they intentionally titled the movie head because it was originally called changes yeah did they entitle the movie head um just because it's like haha this is like a sexual entendre mixed with how like getting in exploding head and all that stuff yeah or is it like head they already had headquarters it was their best-selling record it was huge i assume it's because they could see the future and they knew that david bowie was going to release the song called changes three (laughs) years in the future and they were like oh no this is going to be a problem yeah um as near as as near as i can tell there there's a lot of no one really remembers how they settled on head i think it was more more drugs uh probably drugs and to lead to the joke that if they did another one or whatever they did uh, in the future could be advertised as from the guys who gave you head. Uh, oh, gotcha. okay. <laughs> I don't know that they actually I, did that for any of the other BBS stuff. And that even that phrase might be apocryphal and, and well, cause like added later to the back mythos. It went through a few different names. Ravelson sort of talks okay. about it being sort of a logical thing about like this all being in your head and this all being like, right, right, right. there's kind of a, there's an, there's, there's an idea behind calling it. I, I actually, Think the he- the the title works well yeah. for the movie, like it makes right. sense. And head here, like a head shop, you know, yeah. That, oh, that yeah. connection. It has a lot to right. it, you know, right? And that's why I'm wondering, like, where was the album title being similar to another album of theirs? Also, an intriguing yeah. principle to no them. Really I never saw anything from what I can see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so no idea. <laughs> but uh, hold on, did Pat? Did you say in shoulders when? Yeah, when yeah, yeah. You said it's, it's, head a, with the next movie. You start with head. You've <laughs> so, got. You've got. Multiple body yeah, parts. You got head, down. shoulders, knees, toes, yeah. and you're, you're good to go. But yeah, also fine. head and shoulders, dandruff, and yeah, dandruff yeah. is a, a is central a in here. piece <laughs> of this movie. <laughs> yes. The idea that they are dandruff that, is a real weird dig at themselves. Right. It's really like... Yeah, yeah. Uh, and part of that, yeah, and they're dandruff on... The head uh, of, of, of a, a real sort of old, actor. An old Hollywood guy, a, mm-hmm. a real actor, mm-hmm. uh, Vic Mature. Uh, but even that is based off of a throwaway thing that somebody said during the the brainstorming process and uh they were like yeah the whole movie should take place in vic like, <laughs> vic mature i want you to i want uh, you guys to understand that there's so little difference between the way this movie got made and the way we tried to make movies all through high school right 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 right, right. absolutely right. we we actually had fewer drugs um, right, it, but we had the drug of being no like drugs. 15 no years old, which is a kind of drug anyway. Right, yeah, right, no, right. no, no, you're totally right. We had a lot of Dr. Pepper. Yes. Yes. Yeah, a lot of Dr. Pepper that was speed. not refrigerated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, natural speed and right, right. you know art, some artificial legal speed for sure, for yeah. sure. Yeah, so um, to really talk about the movie, which we haven't. No, it's never going to happen. <laughs> a lot um, so far. Um, we open with... Mickey committing suicide. 
we open with a ceremony. <laughs> yes, yes, being interrupted oh. by the monkeys running well, down to the be street. Fa- with, with a great joke, to yeah. be fair, the, the intro of the yes. mayor is very funny. I, I enjoy yes, any kind so of good. a long, like where they just keep... It's beautiful. I just like that kind of stuff. He's credited as mayor feedback, by the way. Nice. Oh, uh, no way. Yes. Okay, so... That's incredible. It makes it justifiable. I hate yeah. feedback well, yeah. as a trope in movies because yeah. as an audio engineer, the only thing I want to do is eradicate it <laughs> right. or replace the audio engineer in, in it. But I get it. But it's, it's a joke. so good yeah. that he's name. the only one it's happening to. The it's other so guy good. Is just... But why is then there delay on? It's yeah. beautiful. As the an audio whole engineer, thing is I go beautiful. crazy. But it's so funny. It's yeah. so They've funny. got nine speakers all the way down the bridge, and each one, because which produces an insane delay on all of them. It's beautiful. I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a very silly scene. Mm-hmm. And then the monkeys run through and uh, make it jump off the bridge. And it's saved by mermaids. Uh, porpoises. And you get uh, an amazing vi- a bit of visual work. Just truly beautiful so, visual work. Like, it's yeah. gorgeous. Uh, Bob talks... And Bob. he is a fashion icon in this... Yes. Uh, scene uh yeah i'm wearing Um, essentially his same shoes (laughs) right i have owned those corduroys and probably that shirt wow Um, and the way they uh, had to do that that was so oh man because they had to roll it out in three negatives and then oversaturate each negative because they don't have the technology to do that the way like you would do that now where you would just mess with each individual channel because it's not it's not even it's not digital, of course, but it's not even broken right. out analog yet. It's film. Rafelson Rafelson talks about how he ran across some film students who were doing that on sixteen millimeter mm-hmm. and uh got those two guys in with two guys who were long term technical guys at Columbia who'd been making movies for like thirty five years and said, Hey, figure this out. Uh because That's of so cool. Because of the Velvet Underground happening so early because of uh, you know Piper at the Gates of Dawn by Pink Floyd happening so early. I, for some reason, always assumed that Psychedelia was in full bloom by like 66, 67. And truth is, it really wasn't until yeah. it was happening, but you know wasn't probably accessible or in the mainstream until 68, 69. Yeah. So it would make sense that some of these processes that I'm like, well, they're just copying processes of the style right, right. are actually kind of revolutionary. Yeah, yeah. it, it really also, is because you, you, you to do this easily, you need already to be able to break out video, not film. You need to be able to right. break out video into into component parts to do it easily. And doing and that. They're not, they could do it with TV stuff pretty right. easily, and they've been doing that for a while, but you can't do that with like film easily, right? Yeah. That's so and doing cool. that polarization on 60 millimeter black and white is also easier than doing it on 35 millimeter color. color right, right. right. Uh, so, yeah, uh, he talks about yeah just the process that they went and like those those scenes, those initial scenes where it's just him in the water mm-hmm. uh, with the mermaids were filmed in the Bahamas because that was the clearest water they right. figured. Uh, also, they wanted to pay for a trip to Bahamas, almost certainly. Who He's, wouldn't? <laughs> Rafelson says, says, yeah, later, uh, and for the, the four of them together in the water at the end of the <laughs> yeah. movie, uh, later they, they told me, yeah, you could the clearest water you can find is actually just in a swimming pool. Well, uh, right, but so, then, didn't you say that, like, in the interview that, like, there was a there was a hurricane? Also, yeah. And so, like, the when water in the Bahamas wasn't the Bahamas. clear anymore because, you know, it has to settle back down. <laughs> and so, like, know. just do it in a swimming yeah. pool. Which is like sad yeah. for the rest of yeah. them, right? That they didn't get to go to Bahamas. <laughs> no one else got to go to Bahamas. <laughs> Just Mickey got the trip. No, I don't know if they traveled together. Um, but yeah. Um, 
so we get that we get the the war chant and that's really you know where where the execution comes in mm-hmm. in this collapsing of war as entertainment uh yeah. and even in the little war sequence we get of we get the the time photographer pop up and, and and we have the the football player and the football player and you know that the football player there's a couple over the top characters who you empathize with in a weird way because they're there's this movie is really hard to describe i was trying to explain even one aspect no, of it's it completely it's indescribable. It's but I, I see a lot of i see a lot of connections between it is yeah i see a lot of connections between the football player and um the actor with the noose around his neck as uh-huh. he's oh we're going to talk about kind Timothy of degenerating Carey. oh yeah, he is, I love Timothy I mean, Carey, despite the fact that he's apparently a pain in the ass to work with, according to to, uh, to everybody on Paths of Glory. Uh, but uh, we've seen so yes, many movies with him may... in it. Really? Oh, so God, I, yeah, I'm unfamiliar with him. With him in it. We have seen, just but recently, his, obviously, Paths all of, of his work is great. He's in. Uh, yeah, we've that was the last one that I posted before House. Right, the killing of a Chinese bookie, which we've seen for this. We've seen. Yes. Um, what else have we seen? Um, there's another He's maybe couple ones. more subdued in the killing of a Chinese bookie than almost anywhere. Here he is at his most Timothy right, Carey-ness. Right, right. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, on and, yeah, we've seen him in a few other, other stuff movies. Yeah, and and I also noticed I was looking through his filmography. This I'm just going to point this out. I think maybe the the movies because there's a genre of bikini films, right? Uh, back in the '60s, he's in a movie called Bikini yeah. Beach and in a movie called. Beach Blanket Bingo, which I'm sure you've heard of. Wait, um, yeah, of course, Beach yeah. Blanket Bingo. Right, right, yeah. everybody's heard of it. Awesome. But apparently it seems yeah. like they might live in the same universe because he has the same character name in both. <laughs> Interesting. Also, his face is right behind George on the cover of Sgt. Pepper's. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. He So so anyway. he does a lot of things in this film that, that kind of tie together. But okay, so with, with those characters being the same, I guess what I mean is that they will take a character and really ham it up is the wrong word but but really push it in your face yeah um well carrie's hamming it up but yes i mean <laughs> and that's what he so i mean that, you get the impression that's and, what he likes to do from everything i've ever seen of him yeah but yeah right right but all of it is coming together in a way that is um confu- conflating two ideas to make a larger point about those things mm-hmm. right and whether it's him after he gets out of the wheelchair and is like kind of salivating at them and then right afterwards it's a version of him saying don't make fun of cripples or it's the war chant that then when they're in war there's a football player and they're in a football stand and it's like somebody was told an idea and then they confused the two things and represented them visually but in the end that makes for something that uh, is commenting on itself and everything else around it which is something that this movie did in a way that w- was very baffling to me. Yeah. Very, very baffling. <laughs> yeah. To to me, a lot of what that's saying in my approach to this movie is the monkeys, the monkeys being used as, uh, as the safe status quo alternative to things like the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that status quo involves the war, particularly, you know, we're, we're talking the late sixties, early 70s we're talking vietnam mm-hmm. even if we don't explicitly mention vietnam but we do explicitly mention vietnam in the movie right. too right um so uh <clears throat> so there's that and 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 the sexuality of like the belly dancing scene and all that also plays into that for me 
that this is, uh, you know, that sex cells, these are meant to be, the monkeys are manufactured as a group that will sell records to 15-year-old girls, right? right? Uh, and that that sexuality is part of that. Um, so it's, you know, it's all them dealing with, I mean, very overtly throughout the movie, breaking out of the box, right? <laughs> the box is the antagonist of the film uh, being put back into that big black box. Right. And it's not just artistically breaking out of the box. It's uh, breaking out of the box that everyone has put them in societally, mm-hmm. um, being able to do things that aren't in the box. And Mickey's interesting because, uh, and and really all of them, ultimately, eventually they come, uh, they realize through the breadth of their careers that they do have to be and willingly put themselves back in the box every so often, uh, just by the nature of, of the careers they've established. But, uh, but the box is also a representative from something I read. I can't remember where it was. Uh, there was a physical box on the set of the, of the TV series. They built a little break room for the guys because they filmed for like 12 hours. Okay. Yeah. Uh, where where they could they could go and smoke uh just off stage. Yeah. Uh and then there was a light system where each of them had an assigned color and it would light up when it was their turn to go out. And they're called the monkeys. Yes. Right. This is being kept in that cage. Being kept in a box <laughs> yeah. given color codes to right. indicate when it's their time to right. to get up and dance and do right. their thing. Right. Wow. Yeah. I never actually even thought about the monkeys being a name that kind of put what put their trained monkeys that yeah. whole yeah. wow. I yeah. want that like that's like and they taught them to smoke. Uh, <laughs> I mean, do you think? I mean, I wonder. Like, is it sort of like? Do you think that was a thing that? I'm trying to figure out how to say this in a way that doesn't make me sound like an idiot, but um, like. Obviously, that was not a thing that they they weren't named the monkeys because they were like basically dancing monkeys, right? Like in that right. sense, no, right? No, that's they more of like named, a weird synthesis the of the fact that like monkeys, beetles, right? It's and so it's just a weird thing that like pun. maybe somewhere deeply subconscious, somebody kind of like too ease though. That's you're right. Yeah, it's 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 <laughs> to show that they're goofy and entertaining, right? right? Exactly. That's why the monkeys, and, and, and so happens the, that the things we the imagine are goofy of, and entertaining are animals that are trained to perform for our amusement right Right. yes absolutely not intentionally that way but much like the um, it's it's i not ironic it's fitting it's perfectly fitting that all these things are happening it's just that nobody's seeing these things add up until (laughs) all of a sudden they have to make this to disassociate themselves from themselves from the the manufactured version and guess what it didn't it didn't work really right Right. Um. They were already on their way out, and nobody cared. It's it's pet sounds. Okay. So pet sounds. Not. I'm not comparing head to pet sounds, but in a cultural way, it is because you have somebody that has gotten famous by pigeonholing themselves into something that leaves them with no credibility. They see a way out. They try and make an artistic statement, and it's met with no joy from either side because right. it's too far out for the the kids that bought the records and wanted the surfing and want the monkeys to be safe and they can't gain credibility with the 
with it crowd, with the hip or art crowd, because they are who they are. They are the Beach Boys or are the Monkees. And only years later will it find any kind of home. This is just too far out to find a home right. <laughs> without all, ever, it being really? <laughs> right. Well, in a in a way that like where pet sounds pervaded the past right. twenty years, and it's like a household name as far as like albums that are cool go you know this is something yeah people will continue to not know about until it disappears right right. well i mean what's interesting about it is though is that like fascinatingly enough because people will have seen hard day's night and help even this is gonna it's not fair like don't get me wrong this is i do not think this is a fair thing to do but it's very easy to do what i did in the intro which is just dismiss this as a like (laughs) a a crass like cash grab on something like help right it's disjointed and weird and and strange things are happening they don't make a lot of sense the the plot's not really truly sensical or anything like that yeah. uh and like well, and help it, is a cash grab oh a yeah nonsensical for, cash grab at hard day's night you yeah, know so by the same yeah. but because the people yeah. who are doing it already have intense levels of credibility with the public mm-hmm. It's not read that right. way. You, that's, that's that weird thing where you can like create, you can do cash grab as long as you've got the, 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 I don't know, yeah, that that credit with with society, you can do crass cash grabs all the way until you kill your credibility, which you know you will think, eventually happen. But do you think, on some level, the title help is the Beatles? Pushing against the boxes they were put in. Well, it entirely is, yeah. and 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 the Beatles did this exact same thing the whole right. time. They just kept doing it, and because they had, the difference is, the Beatles were an entity that entered with management into a situation right. that put them at stake and in play with larger powers, right. yeah. and they fought against it. But they were the entity. Right. The monkeys, because they're manufactured technically have no autonomy right, within right. this system and so yeah help is literally john lennon his first like big serious song yeah it was a much slower song like your big rock star comes up and says this is my song help i need somebody is the first yeah. lines of a slow song you right. know it's like oh right. there's an identity shift gonna <laughs> right. happen here right. there's, there's a, this person there's feels this way whereas uh, the monkeys would have never been able to do that which is why mike nesmith had to just like completely say i'm not even part of the monkeys when right. he established any kind of a solo career yeah rafelson is very intent on pointing out that the monkeys that he didn't create the monkeys as a response to hard day's night that he <clears throat> already had the idea for this TV show before Hard Day's Night came out. Now, obviously, Hard Day's Night is what got this whole project greenlit, right? Right. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, he <laughs> he's like, oh, no, I wasn't ripping off the Beatles. I was just ripping off that zeitgeist. Right. It, it's, I mean, it does, Which in is the wild. end, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't matter. Like, it's always Even if his idea that... does, CBS or whoever was in charge, they <laughs> right. they were looking for a show to be the Hard Day's Night show. Right, that's, right, right. Yeah. So even if he came up with the idea first, that's fine. But the reason why it got made right. is because, because there was a large Day's corporation Night. trying to right. make Hard Day's Night. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. like honestly I'm, speaking, I'm, if he had not brought that in, they would have manufactured something maybe less create maybe less creative, but they would have tried anyway, right? Because you've got to cash in on that shit. You can't let that just roll in and not try to take advantage of it, right? 
I want to see a real stiff version of what that would be. <laughs> I know, like, right? The monkeys like... works. <laughs> yeah. Um, we get in the movie. We get overt uh, anti-consumerism stuff, left mm-hmm. and right. Obviously, with <laughs> even physically blowing up a a Coke machine uh, a couple of times. Um, Why does yeah. the Coke machine have a ladder on it? Is that just what Coke machines? Do Coke machines used to have ladders. The thing on the left side, yeah, is the empty bottle. Oh, storage. is that what it is? Uh, I mean, like all of the full bottles would have been ah, in that interesting. Because I've never engaged out. with a Coke bottle, yeah. like a, a glass Coke bottle machine that had that on it. It was always just that like, like that. deposit yeah. in, like in a bin near nearby. Interesting. Well, no, I mean. That's where the full the full bottle storage would have been, you you know, so that it rolls into where you pull it out. Oh. I, it's a it's a weird design of the vending machine. It's not one that seems to have stuck around. No, so, yeah, I've no, never seen the one that worked that way. Let's not get bogged down in the vending machine. I, design. I no, was fascinated I by it having a ladder because yes. it kind of looks like some sort of like right. um, the equipment you would take out on like some sort of safari or something, like with a ladder up the side. Right, right, right. Like well, yeah. this is an all-terrain yeah, maybe. Coke machine. Uh, maybe maybe I'm wrong, and it was added to make it look like such a thing. Um. <laughs> with with the anti-consumerism stuff, like of course the first thing that comes to mind, well, two things. One's a contemporary. The other one is something a lot of artists try when they've hit a point of feeling not credible anymore, which is they lash out at consumerism. When you've yeah. sold too many records, you lash out at. Uh, selling too many records and yeah. you know you two did it with from the Joshua Tree into Rattle and Hum became a joke and they made Octung Baby and Zuropa and eventually a failed attempt at it which was pop but all of it was this same sort of thing look at us we're the biggest band in the world we can do whatever we want and what we're going to use it to say is how fake and ridiculous all this is right the other band that was a contemporary of the monkeys and not in status but as far as uh period of time and it definitely had much more longevity what was the who and the who did the who sell out right and the who sell out from the imagery on it to the con- commercials happening in between reminds me a lot of of the monkeys here including the dandruff thing reminds me of the the giant uh deodorant right you right, know right. from the cover so, yeah i've been thinking about the who sells out all morning yeah it's very very so. similar in concept and it's it's the who sell out even though the who had record sales the who were a rebellious group right, right. even even their style of guitar playing and drumming it was rebellious even against the beatles you know right. and whereas this is more conforming the who really didn't have anything to lash out against they almost doubled down into that rebellion whereas this had to go more more the u2 route instead of oh we're the safe ones oh no there's some danger the sexiness which again i think is a moot point when it comes to yeah these guys they should have never gone for a sex appeal well that's what i'm wondering though is i i kind of i'm interested by that just because it's like if you consider the sort of what it's like couched in with this film the sexiness isn't really i don't think supposed to be actually sexy right it's supposed to be like the idea of like what a band would do to like what what a group would do to try to sell more records or something like that right I, I see that. I also see Jack Nicholson being like, "What if we just have this sexy girl I mean, kiss it's everybody?" Possible. It was knows? Jack Nicholson's girlfriend at the time. Fe- really? Yeah. Like, yeah. I would say so that I get like, even more that those vibes. Then. Right. I mean, I I'm sort of ignoring the kissing thing because the kissing thing is kind of just 
strange yeah. in a way that the I was thinking more the belly dancing thing just because it, the belly dancing thing yes, yes, feels like course. a jet, like a kind of jab at that kind of shit showing up in things yeah. like help and things like, you know what I mean? Like that, that yeah. sort of stuff yeah. that shows and, up. And much like the initial thing, the, the kissing thing that has a good joke. So who is better? Yeah. You know, like that, that's funny. And that itself. joke feels like an adult version of a joke that would be on the monkeys. Would be on the monkeys. Yeah. Um, and really the whole belly dance thing does have a payoff too because the two guys are at war or whatever and then they're like oh where where's yeah yeah it's a good joke right Peter it's just a and, funny joke and, right? and Davy, and they're just still back at the harem <laughs> yeah. yeah not even in the same time period right. or yeah. like it's yeah. just it, it, yeah, you it get good. into you get into the like really getting close to like the sort i'm trying to think of like the kinds of comedies that like i we we were kind of consuming uh, I guess in like high, I try to think of examples, but like where you would have like jump, like weird jump before they got yeah that non sequitur stuff right, bef- yeah. right before Family Guy sort of made it like the thing that makes me want to kill myself. Other <laughs> oh, comedies, but Family Guy did it really well initially, right? Right? Yeah, exactly. But then they just ran it being into like, the ground. what? This got canceled? Yeah, like, they, they right, eventually, exactly. yeah, yeah. literally, the purposely only ran that it. into the ground. But like. You know, it was a thing that like was really that kind of joke was very exciting at a certain time period, and to to see it back here is is is, I it's the kind of joke I like, right? Yeah. Um, it's almost Monty Python. Yes, yeah, right. exactly. Yes, right. yeah. And the cuts here are very Monty Python esque. That very fervent, you know, uh, rapid cutting jokes. They don't care if you actually follow the through line. Um, yeah, I wonder how much Monty Python influence was on this because. I would say visually thinking about it uh, a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I would too. And I, and I'm just thinking like sort of like with the, with that sort of belly dancing and some of the other stuff that we get are sort of akin to that. It's also worth noting that things like those beach movies were extremely popular like three years before mm-hmm. this. They were still coming out. Yep. Well, these these sort of weird things like that. Uh, to right, to answer the Python right. question though, uh, they didn't start till '69. So no influence here. Oh, there you go. Yeah. What? Uh, yeah. So maybe Obviously, the opposite direction. That that maybe yeah. some of Python uh, <laughs> saw this. They're one of that sixteen thousand well, dollars. Well, on that point, there is the Ruddles, who are uh, uh, an overt Beatles parody put out by some. Right. Right. Uh, by Aaron, uh, Eric Idle later on. Right. Uh, that's very fun as well. Yeah. <laughs> um. I. You're right, though. I think some of it has to do with TV style editing for comedy because I mm-hmm. I think even Laugh In kind of cut a lot like that, but Laugh In stuck with the vignettes and didn't yeah, go yeah, for yeah. the strange per yeah. se. And yeah, that that is that is interesting. I did not realize Monty Python started that late that yeah. much later. It does maybe show that these like dope films and these sort of like drug trip films, you know, whether they were looked at well or exploitation or whatever, might have also influenced how how Mighty Python did stuff. So this could be well, within that, but I doubt it was directly influential since unless they took no, that. They but were it's also worth noting that while Monty Python hadn't started the members of Monty Python, according to the Internet, which I don't know if we can trust. <laughs> yeah. We're doing stuff that they that might have been seen prior to sixty. Right, right, right. As right. a group, okay. Yes. okay. So, like, probably you could if you went back and looked at that stuff. I would have to, you'd have to do it. But like, you could guess that maybe like some of that kind of style was already showing through. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, it. 
I mean, it might be interesting to point out then that Python were sort of manufactured too. Like pockets of Python were working together, but then were brought together right, yeah, for a BBC yeah. show. Right. Uh, Which happens more with writers yeah. and comedy and and And, and isn't considered a bad thing for, in, in, in writing right, and, right. and film and stuff. It's normal right, to bring people together. But for some reason together, with a band, yeah. it's considered against the ethos of forming a band. Of being, right, right. But even that's stupid. I mean, how many... How many nights at a jazz club led to iconic meetups just because it was like, well, so and so can't make it, so you right. come in, and right, you know, right, I know right. this guy. I mean, it's it's kind of the same thing, except it it gets more dubious and a, and a little more difficult or, or harder to swallow when it's a corporation that right, puts right, it right. That's probably the and, thing that scares yeah. people the most about the monkeys is the fact that it's a fucking like TV channel that, you know, it's like, it's, <laughs> right, right. It's, it's CBS. It's Columbia. Right. Whereas yeah. Mal- Malcolm McLaren puts together the sex pistols to tear apart stuff like this. Right. What's the difference? Right. He just right. took, instead of the four guys that would make him the most money and would be the most attractive, he picked the four that would cause the most chaos right. and create a name. Right. You know, right. so, right. Yeah. Well, and, and um, the monkeys aren't the only manufactured band in history no the right. a, a big difference has to do with like i would say and i i don't support this this perspective necessarily but i think it has to do with like whether you can get the band off the ground and popular enough before people find out it's manufactured <laughs> right. completely true you know what i mean I would, like if you can get it rolling and you can get correct. people to be fans they'll start excusing the fact that it's manufactured as a like not not relevant right but if if yeah. everybody knows it well, right from the beginning, it, you gotta you've got to give it the the flavor of organic, even if it's not actually or necessarily quote unquote organic. Uh, right. I do also have to remind myself, uh, the monkeys. The biggest thing is they didn't play instruments. Right. They did right. not. That's, they faked playing instruments. <laughs> right. so that is that's where a line. Is, that's a big that thing. Is where There's a line there. Yeah. Uh, and and reading. Uh, Associated with the movie, but just the background on deciding who would be the drummer since none of them played drums. Right. Uh, and figuring it out. Uh, at one point, Davey was going to be the drummer. Well, right? you gotta, it's got to be the guy with the crazy hair. To be it seen be over the, the drum set. So, has yeah. to be the guy with crazy hair. I, that's I would, that's I would, the only yeah, answer yeah. to the question, always. right? Like, the, the drummer yeah. always has to be with the guy with the crazy hair. So, so the stream of nature, uh, stream of conscious nature of the movie makes it hard to to talk about <laughs> without just talking about the whole movie, right? Uh, but I was interested in one one thing. Uh, when the cop comes into the bathroom mm-hmm. and looks into the mirror himself, yeah, uh, we get a title card that says "The Cop's Dream." Yes. When does that sequence end? I don't think that it does. <laughs> I Adam, think we're still in the sequences cop's dream now. do not have to end. Yeah. You're thinking too I, I linearly. Think, yeah, apparently. I mean, so when did we stop existing in what's his name's hair? I don't know. <laughs> right, right. And right. that is exactly it. You never do. Yeah. It always you're always everywhere in these films. You're always and small. It, Vic Mature is always huge. When he when it wants to show yeah. that part right. of it, and that's why it's great that it's showing that it's a movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, the whole thing shows itself to be a movie. You can play with whatever you want. Um but I really appreciate the fact that this movie doesn't have to answer any questions. Right. It, you know me. I like things. I, I often say I like things without meaning. I like things that don't need a, a long list of 
explanation for each decision. That's more what I mean. Right, right, I right. like decisions that are made without uh, necessarily having backup for them. Right. And so when you enter the realm of the surreal or a stream of consciousness, you don't have to supply right. any of that. And it can mean a lot still. This says a lot. And there are purposeful well, elements to that. Um, well, go ahead. But Sorry. so much of it that twists and turns is what makes the movie, to me, enjoyable as much as it makes it hard to talk about. Right. right. Well, what's yeah. interesting yeah. about this movie is the fact that it is a stream of consciousness that then had to be sort of, they had to then assemble, right? Like, you've got to, you, you mm-hmm. essentially have its root, its core element being a stream of consciousness, right? They're just like, they're high, they're just saying shit into a tape recorder. It's all, and it's all good, right? Like, it's it, because, like, stream of consciousness fundamentally has to come from somewhere, right? Like, you're not actually yeah. creating things completely whole cloth. You are, you're, you know, you, there is meaning there, right? Because you're, it's coming from whatever's inside you, whatever you're thinking about at the time. But then they have to build right. yeah. connections. They have to start, like, saying, because at some point they have to sit down and say, well, how do we connect A to B? And sometimes the answer is, we don't, and we just do a weird cut that, like, works. And then sometimes the sometimes answer is the we answer have is, to, right? And and so they build right. something interesting to happen. Yeah. Sometimes the answer is once again we'll punctuate this scene by the monkeys will be mannequins, and uh, yes, <laughs> right. that are getting torn apart. <laughs> <Yeah>. Or, um, <laughs> I like and again with the no meaning thing, and I I have it playing here just in front of me, just yeah. because I like keeping visual notes of things and reminding myself. But you know, they do that fourth wall break a lot. Things flow from one thing to the other. They're in the factory and they beat the crap out of all the like people Davey, in the Davey, factory. Davy beats. Davy does, but then they walk through to the next set and he just beats the heck out of a Native American for yeah, no reason. Right. Just like hitting the woman, yeah. just like they hit numerous women in a row. It's it's intentionally unintentional. There's it's not like oh well Davy's the mean one. It's no. not like oh this is our. Th- feelings about this it's silly number one yeah number two it's silly while being very insensitive yeah in knowing it is right like knowing that and this is ridiculous that this is happening i love the moment that the woman takes off the wig and it's a yeah. man and you find out he did he didn't actually and peter tork is freaking out about that but it, those fourth wall breaks where you get something that um has happened because they decided it's just yeah. gonna be that way you know right it's poking fun at something but there's no reason why they chose that well, to think, be there or why he's the one doing it or uh, other than he's the nice guy you yeah. know right but they the all nice are and he's also the smallest guy right uh, he's small right. but peter so torque is the most meek and you right. know like all you yeah. know you could put that on any of them right 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 absolutely yeah um <laughs> yeah it's rule of funny at that point right uh so it's just doing it because it it's silly uh I mean the the guy running up on horseback just to go pst, and then leave. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then the one guy's like, "All right, American, all right, we surrender." And just yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the entire army surrenders to one guy because he's American. Right. I mean, yeah, that's saying a lot while also being ridiculous. I mean, right. it's just ridiculous. So <laughs> yeah. Um. And then all those armies coming back together, the <laughs> the Arabs and the Italians and and the Native Americans and everybody else on down the line showing back up to for the whole system to fight the monkeys in, yeah. in the final sequence and chase them off the bridge. <laughs> and destroy the soda machine again. Yes, the and destroy the soda machine, machine again. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so the cop stream is the monkeys getting a telegram in like a gothic. 
<laughs> it's a very weird dream. Uh, and then and then Peter's birthday po- surprise birthday party for Peter, which I guess isn't part of the dream anymore, but maybe. I don't know. It's the same set. Uh, well, the fact that they're all getting lost in this castle that seems yeah. like they've been transported to that's like far away is just their apartment yeah. or their house. Yeah. And is somehow connected to the bathroom. Yeah. Like, yeah, I love that. I so those are the aspects I'm. I I do really like, and it, they were surprising to me. Yeah, I um, mean those aspects are dream logic, right? Yes, that, that, that this behind the mirror in this public restroom is your apartment, but your apartment is also this huge castle that you get lost in. Mm-hmm. That's just dream logic. Right. Dream yeah. logic, and it and it does it expertly. You yeah. know, it does in a way technically that I think is. What makes this a really good mo- makes it a really good movie from a technical aspect, being able to uh, facilitate those very heady ideas, yeah. Um, and it actually comes across in a way that is somewhat understandable. I can, yeah. I, it's tangible to me what's going on, even though it's so far out. Right. The stuff that is really cut together in just colors is what I was telling you when I texted you. Oh. This is exactly the first ten minutes. This is exactly right. what I would expect from the mo- the career killer movie <laughs> yes. head that I've heard about. Yes. You know, yes. whereas it goes a little further into just dream logic or monkey's sense of humor than yeah. I thought, which was a delight. And a lot of that color stuff is uh, Ravelson making direct reference to experimental film of the time. Right. Too. Um, they don't. He makes direct reference to to Stan Brackage and and painting on on film they don't really do any of that yeah there's not really any any direct painting physical painting um, um it, i mean but brackage has been doing it for a while but like brackage is extremely not main, like maybe too <laughs> not mainstream uh even yeah, for yeah. that even for the level of experimentation they're willing to do in this movie like right he he mentions brackage by name right. but also uh it's it's pretty out there. Yeah, it's it's more of a it's more more of yeah. a philosophical ode to Brackage more less right. than a than an actual physical repre- uh, ode because again, Brackage is the least commercial filmmaker in the history of mankind. So, <laughs> yeah, but also also if uh, if Ravelson had actually put in stuff that he borrowed from Brackage, uh, and Brackage who is existing in art circles, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and not making stuff even for like commercial. Like he's showing movies to have, in, in, to have, in hotel rooms and then making like yeah. famous directors mad. Right. To to in 1968 have Columbia put out a movie that makes direct reference to to Brackage uh, is a lot different than say the opening credits to to Seven being done in the way right. Brackage did. Right. Well, they were just title uh, cards, stuff. which is like kind of, it's yeah. kind of a reference without being a reference in the sense of like, that's not, right. right. It's also the least important thing about Brackage. So it's like, it's like, <laughs> right. what can, what's well, the least important thing really... about Brackage we could reference? Ah, yes. The way he writes title cards. Um, yeah. Also the fact like that you would have to listen so to Brackage. That's a safe way thing. to experiment too. Right. right like right, right. you would yeah, have to right. also listen to Brackage talk about your movie that you made that referenced him forever. <laughs> and that just wouldn't be worth it. That might be true. Um, he would not like it because Brackage did not like yeah. movies, as far as I can tell. Uh, <laughs> That's why he made what he made. Yeah, exactly. He, like he actively movies. hated the thing that, like the, the yeah. other thing that is done with the same medium. Uh, yeah. So. Um, oh, Brackage is amazing. The, Sorry. 
Wreckage is amazing. Then they're physically in prison again. Then there's the jumper that they save and then just hand off back and forth. <laughs> Which I, I whole, like. Those are the, the kind of, I sequence. love those kind of jokes. I think yeah. that sort of stuff is just very funny to me. Like I, there's a lot of really good the look of bewilderment jokes. she has every just through that and after after she's in the monkey's arms, the face she's has it never changes Mm-mm. and it's just just. <laughs> Yeah, like her brain's been broken. Um, <laughs> I did half expect uh, half expect them to put her into the arms of the forklift as the punctuation. <laughs> right, right, and I'm a little disappointed it didn't happen. But um, uh, but yeah, it's just you know it's the monkeys fighting against the entire Columbia backlot, which right. is also poignant to what they're doing, right? Um, a way that they twist a little bit of that in the um, in the soundtrack is pretty fun because you have as soon as they get into the I think it's the first time you see the back lot post the uh, I always want to say Daddy's Boy which is a um, yes, yes. Uh, Kimmy Schmidt reference uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, in Daddy's Song um, he leaves the stage and you have Frank Zappa which yeah. is the first moment that you're like, oh, okay, there's there is some credibility here happening. Um he's there and he says that was pretty white. <laughs> and uh, you know, uh David Jones is like, Well, so am I, you know, yeah. like and he says, Oh, you should focus more on your music and then the cow talks and you know, yeah. and the, uh, the monkeys are, Yeah, this is a, this is a monkeys are monkeys craziest are. people. Yeah. Um but oh, uh in the soundtrack, it actually starts off with the sound clip. That was pretty white, and it goes right into uh Mike Nesmith saying, and I feel the same way about Christmas too. <laughs> oh, that's a great edit. <laughs> and then, oh, and so then it goes into one of the songs. Oh, that's so good. That's <laughs> so, a great joke. Now I want you to I uh, want to ask you a question. Um so we have that entire thing where like they're fighting the entire back lot. Yeah. Do you think Mel Brooks saw this movie? <laughs> right, right. Well, yes. Yes. I mean that's that's awesome. I mean, that is not I don't know if something like that explicitly happens in Hell's a Poppin', but it is not an idea foreign to no, the no. Feel I don't of think Hell's the idea. Yeah, so. I know. It's I. It uh, is, I don't think it. I don't think either of these two groups invented that idea. Right. Right. But Blazing Saddles was that seventy two, seventy one, I think. Seventy one. Yeah. Okay. So and cause oh no, seventy four. My like bad. Seventy four. So it's okay. it's numerous. Okay, so it was a little yeah. bit. Yeah, that is. That's interesting because yeah, that is a very similar yeah, sort of just, take. We're gonna fight the, the entire back lot yeah. eventually. It's gonna happen. In, uh, it's I, I I'm sure other movies have it in. I it'd be an interesting thing to find out it's, all the movies yeah. that have that well, as a takes, concept in it. It takes bits and pieces of every epic movie we've already seen within this movie. Mm-hmm. The the epic war movies, the the uh, the of all varieties. Yeah, <laughs> from World War Two in the desert, World War Two. Or Vietnam, or whatever the trench stuff is supposed to be. We've got the cowboys and Indians. We've got the the uh, uh, Lawrence of Arabia yeah. references. Yes, um, and then you know all of them are fighting, as well as just everybody who is eating in the commissary who hates them already, <laughs> and <laughs> and the construction crew and the and the the sound crew and everybody is everyone's after them. Um, Zappa showing up is was surprising to me because I didn't realize Zappa was that early, I guess, in my mind. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then just Zappa with a cow walks on the screen. It's just very... 
See, and yeah. I don't even question the pairing right. of him with a cow. Yeah. I didn't even think of that as the weird part. Yeah. Which is funny because it is. Yeah. It that is. is. But it's it's Zappa, so nothing's weird. No. Right? Um and Zappa Zappa walking in and like just encapsulating their whole thing <laughs> into a couple of lines having davy jones talking with frank zappa <laughs> is the conversation describing where the monkeys were at at the time yeah and where culture was at at the yeah. time and it happened fast yeah you know and he says the youth of america depend on you to show the way mm-hmm. right um and then the cow calls them crazy uh but yeah yeah is that a lot of the uh a lot of the well even timothy carey really uh, because people didn't like working with Timothy Carey, as we already responded, or as we already said. Uh, Frank Zappra, uh, Annette Funicello, who is the Mickey Mouse girl. Uh, everybody in here is, a lot of the cameos are sort of outsiders to the system, too. Uh, people who, either the status quo or the avant-garde, both have reasons to... Dismiss? Dismiss, <laughs> right. Um, and... In the highlight video, and and uh, Rafelson talks about this too, uh, uses the word losers to describe them, uh, which I don't think is necessarily fair, but maybe they're using the word losers in a way that I'm they're not using it in a very it. 1960s <laughs> way that we just not, we can't comprehend. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, well, we can because the Beatles song, I'm a loser and I've lost someone that's yes. dear to me. Yes, yes. <laughs> right, which I, which I think is even maybe even lost. like a different, like the Beatles just like <laughs> of decided course, of to course. be like, we're going to make up our own meaning for words that don't, doesn't even make yeah. sense. Well, they're making, they're making a pun there too. Yeah. Um, right. But but the fact that you can say that they are losers without saying that they're meaningless or or morally corrupt or you know right. like it's just like they're the peep they're you might as well say underdog nowadays but yeah but underdog means that people like them as well usually and these are these are people who oh this is before right. America decided we liked speaking underdogs. of we hated underdogs back then. he he throws Sonny Liston on that list um and uh, uh who is it uh, Carol Dota who plays one of the one of the dancers and she was the the first topless dancer in San Francisco in the modern okay. modern age is yeah um and TC Jones uh Mr and Mrs Ace the the waitress uh is you know he he had a fairly popular career though he didn't get much work after this uh but he did like his female impersonation was like on the Bob Hope stuff <laughs> stuff well and, yeah very yeah very much, vaudevillian but so much so that it did not seem like a man playing a, a right. woman. It's... Oh yeah, he's very good at his his bread and butter. He was very famous for doing like uh, Judy Garland and Mae West impressions. Wow. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Uh, yeah. He do he do big stuff like that. And was this person also considered an outcast or or such because of that? Because that that was looked upon oddly. Because I mean, we're in an era where we have Flip Wilson about yeah, we're... you know in the late sixties. <laughs> we're in the era where someone. Uh, where someone like T.C. Jones is everyone's pet, I think, okay. in a lot of ways. Okay. Uh, like, I don't know that so he he's super... saturated a little bit? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know that anyone was necessarily degrading to him right. for what he did. Uh, no, he didn't. T.C. Jones, 
if T.C. Jones were alive today, he might have lived a very different life. Yeah. But T.C. Jones in his time uh, was not trans, and there were trans people. Right. Uh, he was a person female who performed as a female. Um, and sometimes did whole roles where it was not revealed that he was a woman uh, or that he wasn't a woman. Right. Uh, but um, also married uh, married his hairdresser, married his, his female hairdresser. Okay. Uh, he came in came in looking for a wig, and they met, and they hit it off and, and got married. Um, an interesting meet-cute. I need a wig for my female impersonation gig. Uh, I mean, particularly for, like, the time frame we're talking about. Right, right? I, I, yeah. and um, very uh, – makes me think a lot about, again, 30 Rock, the uh, – uh, Will Forte being a Jenna impersonator. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's how they meet is she finds out somebody's impersonating her. Right. And she loves that. And they love each other. But yeah. Yeah. So he seems like uh, he was fairly popular. He had a Broadway career uh, too. Well, that's the um, thing. Right? Is that, that sort of vaudevillian style act kind of wanes in because as you get later on in, in time, like that sort that kind of act becomes his style doesn't seem to be the style that is popular anymore for doing that kind of thing. Right. Because right, right. at some point, like when you're in the sort of vaudevillian era or like right after in like kind of like the sort of golden age of film or something like you, you want basically his impression becomes out of date with like what people consider right. a woman at that point and right and so it becomes problematic and it's a throwback right. yes and right. then, yeah it starts yeah. only having a per place as a throwback kind of style instead of as the modern style because you see in later things that are doing the same sort of genre the, the newer performers are keeping up with the times in terms of what is considered like the the right. style right. but uh, for women and stuff like that at the time but like all there's a certainly a thread across all drag of uh, doing impersonations of Mae West and Judy Garland. This is, and, 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 and one and has Davis to wonder. Yeah, act. absolutely. And, yeah. But, but, but it's more probably more the fashion and stuff like that than anything else. Like sort of keeping up with the, with the style and stuff like that than yeah. anything else. Yeah. Yeah, just being that bombastic womanhood, mm -hmm. uh, which you know, plays into how T.C. Jones plays the... Waitress. And yeah. I and I also have to assume that T.C. Jones is credited as T.C. Jones so often because there was uh, a seed of something of of rejecting the maleness of right Thomas Craig yes. Jones. Yeah. Um, but we don't need to speculate on right on yeah. <laughs> anything about him. I don't have that information. I don't know much more. There's about not a lot. He doesn't. There's just I've not a lot shared. of information out there about um, him, frankly. So yeah. Uh, but uh, well, at least not that we. No, have. I mean like I that, yeah, the, the Wikipedia point, is though. relatively <laughs> but, brief for somebody yeah. who had this much yeah. of a career. But yeah, just um, but the way that's played with and and Peter being torn up about hitting a woman after yeah. after we as the audience are are revealed that oh wait that's not actually a woman but Peter's still torn up about it and it's after it's happened already <laughs> twice right because right. Davy yes. Jones yes. he wins the boxing championship or whatever yeah or whoever does because I think he doesn't and somebody else steals the woman and then punches right. the woman right and then they punch I think the woman in the place and then he does like it it's it's the third time a woman has been punched in a very short series of things and yeah i i like that everybody is 
anti-Peter Tork in this scene. <laughs> yes. And he's just like, no, 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 no. It, like, no, it's great. It's great. He's like, yeah, but what about this? And then even he goes to Davy, and Davy's like, oh, yeah, it was wonderful, and walks away. And Peter's like, okay. Well, then, like, if my friend says it's okay, right? then it must be okay. I'll go along with it. And then it starts snowing on him. Yeah. I I feel like that has to be a lot of how he must have felt in, in the monkeys in general. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, like, no, 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 I don't want to, I don't want to do this. That doesn't look right for the image. That doesn't look right for what I want to say. Oh, Davey. Oh, my friends, they're cool with it. Okay, fine. I'll just go on this on my own and, and continue doing this thing that doesn't bring me any satisfaction. In fact, maybe flies in the face of who I am. And if you see these guys on Boy Meets World in the 90s, when they all came back together, minus Michael Nesmith, yeah. um, you kind of see, it's funny that he is Topanga's dad and just plays this kind of hippie because he just kind of is that guy. He right. really, it, Peter Torka is just a pacifist hippie dude, you know? Um, they all just kind of play themselves as they as they are, other than Reginald Fairfield, who is fantastic. That's Davy Jones's character right, on Boy's right, World. Right. Yeah. Who is lovely. <laughs> Yes. And reminds me of the the Davy Jones we see in uh, Daddy Song. Yes. <laughs> Which, okay, got, we have to talk about Daddy Song at oh, length here yes. because the black and white. Um, yeah. The switching back, back and, and forth. forth. Yeah. I understand it's like an editing nightmare and visually is crazy, but like how do you... Th- do you think that started in the storyboard stages? Where do you think that well, that he started? Describes or it. what kind of reference he are He kind of had an idea of shooting... On an all-white set. Okay. Uh, Rifleson did. And then it sort yeah. of snowballed from there, like, hey, wouldn't it... You know, like, you, you shoot on an all-white set with black tuxes and dress, and then you think to yourself... And then it sort of seems like, from my memory of his discussion of it, like, it kind of goes from, like, oh, well, like, we could also shoot white on an all-black set. And then, like, it seems like it was just sort of an organic development of, like, just yes. kind of snowball. Yeah, we're yeah. just like, well, that's a cool idea. Like, let's just do that. Well, he also he also talks about his doing a lot of editing for the TV show and how how the first edit of the pilot was the lowest rated pilot that Screen Gems or CBS had ever had oh, or wow. whatever. Uh, and then he said, "Give me twenty four hours," and he recut the pilot and cut in some of those screen tests that we see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and represented in it, and then it was the highest rated they'd ever had, which seems unlikely, but sure. <laughs> uh, certainly, it got it picked up. It, it went from three <laughs> to five. Everything right. else had been four before <laughs> right, that. Right, right, yes. <laughs> yes. Literally, everything had been a four. Yeah. Dragnet, everything. Yeah, just straight across the board. Oh, this is the lowest thing we've seen. It's the number <laughs> below it. Yeah. Oh, this is the highest we've ever seen. It's yeah. one point higher. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, but yeah. So, yeah, and and he talks about that sequence to say, I never did that much editing again for anything, right. basically. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, like Pat said, um, it seems to just sort of happen organically that they decided to shoot the two, and then because he had the footage, he decided to edit it that right. way. Right, well, and it, instead of just back and right, forth. Right, and it sort yeah. of seems like, you know, you he, he started with the white set with all black, and, like, it's easy to see how one would shoot that and then be like, well, if that looked that looked really cool, what about the opposite of that? Would that look really cool too? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right, right. It's right. that sort of thing that you do when you're like, I get, you know, making art or whatever, and you're like, well, 
what about this one? You know, and then you sort of just keep mm-hmm. like riffing on the same thing, and then before you know it, you've got the exact same dance scene in two different uh, sort of almost inverted uh, styles, and it's like, well, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> the only missed opportunity there weird. for me is the because it's a routine. Okay, and because it's so well choreographed, and even the dancer that comes out with him, it's so well choreographed. The dancing is identical between the two. The cuts are seamless when you look at the movement happening. The problem is either the planning wasn't there, or the foresight to do both, or right. the back right. because that, the camera but, angles aren't identical. Right, right, right. I think the issue and that is, is disappointing. It is disappointing. I think the issue is is that the one wasn't the second one wasn't decided to happen when the first one happens. Which means they're not like That's, using yeah. a camera control rig or anything. I don't even know if cam- I assume camera control rigs exist I think, in 1968 or whatever. Oh yeah, uh, and so I like they enough, don't they can't yeah, like yeah. recreate their camera angles perfectly because right. like they didn't like have I them programmed be, into anything. There might be one more alternative, which is that they did plan it. But then Davey couldn't get the choreography exact. I think the choreography is exact. It's pretty damn, I think it's it might be. damn the thing close. Is the timing is Because sometimes the cuts so are close. perfect. Not always. It's, but sometimes it's when they get the angle of the camera, are, right? like, it's fucking perfect. And so yeah. I, I think it's just an issue of like, oh. we shot one of these. And then getting the angle and positioning of the camera exactly the same a second time is... Well, without again, without right. well, sorry, a camera motion control rig, specifically one where you have audit, yeah. which I think was N- right, doesn't exist nowadays yet because that's invented. Nowadays, for like, that stuff could be completely like automated and digitized. Of course, so that, right? Yeah. And there's a certain we, movie where that Matrix, thing was invented right, you know, for, and I can't remember what movie it was, but like, yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, like it definitely shows up in like Star Wars eventually and stuff like that because you want to control the motion of the camera exactly. Like you, there's there's a time when you, yeah, you need it to be, the camera needs to be exactly the same spot at exactly the same time and that's every take. Yep. Fucking impossible mm-hmm. to do with human beings. <laughs> right. right, right. If Even with a, uh, a crane, you're not going to No, yeah, you'll just never get everything exactly lined up. You need a computer. You need a machine or or a some sort of mechanical contrivance. You could probably do it with like gears right, and things levers that are and set. Shit. Yeah. Um, but or they would have had to have taken the exact same setup and done it exactly twice with different dressing. Right. right. And it most likely is not that. I mean, it's at least probably either two different locations or days apart because right. of the, the you know like it it's not direct enough so but I, yeah that whole segment i love the you know and of course it's like a paul mccartney this is paul's version of um psychedelia which is doing something from the 40s or whatever right, instead right, right. and yeah. it plays in that but it also plays into the cheesiness of the monkeys right it plays into the monkey suit nature of them and it plays into Davy being that one. He's yeah. the little boy that every right. girl loves and right, he sings right. a song about daddy and you know like it it just works. It, without it, I don't know if I would like the movie as much as I yeah. do. It is it would be as entertaining to me, but that adds something that shows a lot of for forethought. Yeah. It, you know, editing and otherwise. It it shows right. a lot going on not just like oh what if the next thing was this it commits to something pretty hard and and sticks with it you know for that whole segment right yeah and that's (laughs) just the fact obviously other things that happen take foresight and planning right uh the 
the stunt sequences, uh, you mm-hmm. know, even even as they are very stiff mannequins that we see being thrown off a bridge. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, they take prep and and to know what you're doing uh, from a technical one, from a technical yeah, standpoint. Yeah, of course. Right, from but just four, saying four hey, guys in a room talking to two guys on a tape recorder, being right. like, "Oh, and then what if we're this, and then this right, happens?" Right, right, is right. one thing. Yeah. Them saying, "What if then we do a dandy song <laughs> right. where this, <laughs> yes. you know, it." it it, right. There's so like I feel like the room ha- would have had to have paused, yeah. or all of them be like, "Yeah," and then make yeah. it so classy that you know, right, like, right. and then make him talk to Frank Zappa afterwards, yeah. who calls it immediately. White. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so good. Um, yeah, the so a rumor about the writing process that no one will confirm is that uh, what drugs they were on specifically. <laughs> well, beer, beer and booze for the tape recorder session, and then. Nicholson taking the tape recorder and doing a lot of acid is the rumor. Did you say he, beer and booze? Yeah, uh, weed and booze. Weed and booze. Okay. Although, <laughs> I might have said once, beer and booze, uh, but I meant weed and booze. At least a couple times, cocaine was mentioned as well. So cocaine does get mentioned a lot too. Um, and then uh, that's where we go off the rails. That's where I I can't yeah. dig it, and that's um, where Jack Nicholson is. Uh, <laughs> Ravelson, Ravelson also says that when he and Jack were writing, it was in Jack's apartment. Which was in Harry Dean Stanton's basement. That Jack Nicholson lived in Harry Dean Stanton's basement, and that's where they wrote "head." It's just... Harry Dean Stanton's basement, <laughs> yeah. and it was Peter Fonda's loft above it in the <laughs> right, attic. Right? And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like just a lot of <laughs> Cary Grant owned the whole block, and what, uh, like... right, and that was left to him by uh, the Ming <laughs> Dynasty. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> right, right, right. And, Drew, and that's where Drew Barrymore lives now, yeah. and she uh, <laughs> lets Radiohead record in it. <laughs> But she rebuilt it from the ground up, right? Uh, but, to be haunted, but to be haunted, but in the exact same, uh, you know, <laughs> using the original blueprints and uh, materials, yeah, <laughs> and pulled it apart and then just put it back together. Yeah, it's the opposite of the ship of or of Theseus ship. Yeah, it's just yeah, what yeah. happens when you take the same you take the entire thing apart yeah. and then put it back together using exactly the same crap as before. It is it still counts as the same thing. I think at that point, um, the uh, the inner. Uh, I just want to, we need to finish up, but I want to run through a couple of things I haven't mentioned yes, yet. Yes. Uh, the interview with Highlight uh, is also very interesting that uh, Mike keeps trying to explain to the interviewer that they're playing themselves <laughs> and what that means. And he cannot <laughs> and comprehend not getting it. what that means. <laughs> cannot comprehend what that means. Uh, yeah. Um, it also, is it, it's taking place on set, so it's at the boxing ring. Yeah. And a shot it's in the worst ring. way humanly possible. Oh, yeah. And then, and then, like as they finish, like they, may, I don't know if it's a joke, but they say something about needing to, they keep, like all Davy's cleaning his nails during it. Peter is just looking off, off stage the entire time. Yeah. Uh, and then Peter at one point like makes a wrap it up motion that seems to be that he's getting it from someone, but then they all sort of casually start doing it. And the DJ's like, well, what does this mean? And and one of them says, well, we got to, we got to go catch an airplane. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Like, like he is being dismissive to them. So I do not fault them for being dismissive back. Right. right. Uh, but it is very silly how dismissive everyone in that. Yeah, situation like nobody is. wants to talk to anybody here. It's it's remarkable. It's it, it's yeah. hard to well, imagine a five minute clip with right. more sort of like disdain amongst the the people involved. Um, 
Pat didn't watch the screen test, no. but he needs to go back and watch them. The one with Mickey, where where uh, and and Rafelson talks about how for the screen test he just wanted to have a conversation, record that conversation to pull out who they really were. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one with Mickey, where he asks him about what he's wearing, and and because he's wearing two different shoes, and one's one's the Chelsea boot, and the other's a, a surf sneaker. Yeah, uh, and he's he's like, well the. You told me to dress casual, but then I got here, and these four other guys who he's playing music with on the couch uh, are all in the Beatles getup. So I, I <laughs> just put one boot on. Put one boot on. <laughs> uh, Mike gets distracted by exploring this. It's the set of the Farmer's Daughter, which is a television show. Right, and he's like, "Oh, I just I've always wondered what's in this drawer." Whenever I'm watching the Farmer's Daughter. <laughs> And digs through the drawer. Um, uh, Is it inappropriate that there was a TV show in that era called, called the, the Farmer's, Farmer's Daughter? Daughter? Yeah, probably. Okay. Um, Peter, they mostly just talk about his hair. Uh, Davy, Davies is the only one not on the. Well, no. Okay. Mike's takes place in like a living room set, and then these two are in the dining. Uh, or Mickey's takes place in the living room set. Mike and T- Peter are on the same Farmer's Daughter dining room set. And then Peter's in like an office. Or not Peter. Davey is in like an office. I don't know if it's a set from something or if it's literally their office. <laughs> I Well, Davey's, from memory, Davey's intro into the monkeys was different than the right. rest. They're right. all kind of like middle, not middle America, but average American, you know, kids. And yeah. he is, he obviously he's British. Did you know that? Um, yeah. he's, uh, he, he comes from a different background. I think he was even like a jockey or something. Like he was like, he was like something. Yeah, he wanted to be a jockey. Yeah. And he, he had a career like he was known for something i i feel like before coming on he wasn't I just think, average maybe I he was he had just a broadway thing maybe something yeah, they um, do that mention, he, he mentioned somewhere that, that he had yeah. been on a couple like i think in his screen tests like um yeah he he, he says he got into acting a couple school, broadway but still things. was trying to be a jockey after graduating okay um yeah. Just a mm-hmm. different lifestyle, I think, got ma- you know got brought over because he was found. You know, Bob asks him what what his bag is, and Davy has no idea what that means. Uh, and well, then, proving the opposite of yeah. uh, uh, what Austin Powers has told us, right? right. And then uh, what it lied to, to us. I refuse to believe that. Yeah. And then to, to clarify, <laughs> wait, you can't shoot out of nipples. Yeah. Yeah. To clarify, says, uh, "What kind of sound do you make?" And he just says, "I make a terrible sound." It's a really great, self-effacing joke. That um, is great. Yeah. Um, and a lot of a lot of the guys are making self-effacing jokes like that, just out of nervousness or recognizing what they have come to audition for. Mm-hmm. Though none of, I think. I don't think any of them actually responded to the initial audition call. They all came in different ways. The okay. initial audition call, 600 people showed up for. Uh, and it it basically, there was a subtle line in the audition call. Uh, it said, show up straight, basically, yeah. was, was the last line. Yeah. Show up straight at this address. Uh, it's like, don't, you know, don't show up on drugs. Without without being able to tell CBS that we told them not to show up at wow, uh, but but yeah, so they you know they did a casting call in LA and it was a bunch of California surfer kids because why wouldn't it be right? Uh, so, um, but yeah, uh, I don't think like I said I don't think any of them actually were were in response to the ad and like um, 
you know, Mickey was already doing music work. Peter was already doing music work and they came in sort of sideways to it. And, uh, okay. So I'm going to lay out here. Okay. Just before, as a, as a continue a note on that is I'm on uh, Davey's, uh, Wikipedia page on, on 9th of February, 1964, Jones appeared on the Ed Sullivan show with Georgia Brown, who was playing Nancy in a Broadway production of Oliver. This was the same episode of the show in which the Beatles made their first appearance in U.S. television. Jones said of that night, I watched the Beatles from the side of the stage. I saw the girls going crazy, and I said to myself, this is it. I want a piece of that. Um, (laughs) Well, what's what's worth noting is is that he was already making TV appearance. Like, he's on, like, The Farmer's Daughter and other, which, which is where they do the screen tests. Like, there's a. It's a much right. easier to understand how he got found, right? Like it's it's yeah, it's like right, right. right. He was known. Yeah, yeah he at yeah. least in not, some not deg- like high circles. level, but he's he's somebody they they see, they've seen, and they can like, oh, we can yeah. pull this guy oh. in. He's he's handsome. Right. He's he's young. He's perfect. Yeah. We'll pull him in. He can maybe. You just said act. he was on the same episode that the Beatles were on, and right. he was in a performance, but right. as right. As I mean, a, yeah, he was, he was segment doing of the show. Right. He was doing right. an, a, yeah. a, a version of Oliver on stage. And so right. he was on there for that. And um, so. Yeah. So the other interesting thing with the screen test is, uh, there, there's the interviews with them and then there's, uh, sort of pairing tests where they run through the same scene with different groupings. And there are two other actors who are not <laughs> monkeys who get tossed into that rotation. Which I misunderstood the reason for that because yeah. I thought these were screen tests for the movie. No, no. Whereas they were screen tests for the TV show. Yeah. So Adam, yeah, I was just thinking like maybe they couldn't all be there. And right. Stand-ins or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, I don't know who these guys were. I can't figure. I spent some time trying to figure out who they were. Uh, I thought that one of them was being referred to as Wendell, but it turns out Wendell was just the name of one of the characters before they decided to have everyone play themselves in as much as the monkeys were themselves, which of course is why the highlight guy was confused yeah. because the monkeys are already playing themselves, aren't they? But, um, but yeah, so, uh, and then, uh, uh, the other screen test where, where they're thumbing through the record store and they say, what do the Beatles have? Right, we don't have $13 million. dollars. It's very silly. Um, but uh, oh, one more thing on the highlight TV thing. Peter, not only the most distracted out of any of them, also has a beard. Yes, oh, I forgot yeah, about yeah, that. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. Yeah. A big one. Big uh, bushy beard. A big bushy beard. Great, a great, great bushy, bushy beard. beard. Yeah, yes. Exactly. And he had something that you don't have. Yeah. Um, the <laughs> when, when are we doing the Hot Fuzz episode? <laughs> oh, I showed Hot Fuzz uh, to, we'll, we'll to, to John a while back, and he really yeah. liked it. It's such a good movie. Yeah. It's it's one of Casey and mine's favorite. I mean, that's a movie like if we're like we really want to watch a movie, but we don't want to think about it. Boom! Yeah, he talks about it all the time. He's like, "When are we going to watch it again?" I'm like, "Well, the problem is, is it's a little over (laughs) your brother's head. Uh, Most of the movies not, but then the few extremely violent scenes are very much over his head. Right, right, right. Yeah, Um, so you know, yeah, yeah. very violent. Well, I think we should probably pull this to a close. Mostly because we've talked forty minutes longer oh, this than is we a wanted very to. Long episode. Oh my god! <laughs> um, uh, than we originally planned, but yeah, uh, really fun movie. Really happy to have you talking about it with us, Jonathan. Uh, I was I was really honored to to be asked because yeah. it's not a typical episode that I would be on. Right. Um, it it was really great 
this is the second time I've watched a movie specifically for the podcast that I had never yeah. seen before. The previous of which was a movie that Casey had liked and and I just had not seen. This one, um, uh, something that is close to me, but I have always kind of kept at bay yeah. until that one day. And so, thank you for making that one day happen. Yay! All right, we've we've been talking about Head from 1968 part of the America Lost and Found, the BBS Story box set. Next week, continuing with Easy Rider. Look forward to that. Thank you so much for listening to Lost and Criterion. I'm, as always, Liam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Ojari Dorgan. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. been lost in criterion hosted by me adam glass find me on twitter at the adam glass my co-host is john patrick Ovatari dorgan you can find him on twitter at j patrick dorgan big thanks to jonathan hape for our theme song check him out at jonathanhape.bandcamp.com or hear more from him on any streaming service also thanks to all our patreon supporters itunes reviewers and redbubble customers and hey thank you for listening